Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Tenglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. So the uh, page turning here is the fact that I forgot to change the calendar, uh, which I have beside me at all times to know what I'm doing, <laughs> you know, for a new page. Do you guys see that? Do you, do you put like, I put a paper clip on the, on the page. So I have my, my little calendar book. I have the same one for uh, uh same company for years. In fact, I think I keep, I've got like 10 years worth of calendars. So I know exactly what I did any day, uh, any time. It's kind of look back. Where were you on the, this day? Well, it's right here. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Anyway, welcome to a live show for Labor Day. And I just, I really like doing holiday shows. First of all, more people listen, which is good. Um, but unfortunately, they, they catch the podcast because they think, who, who broadcasts live on a holiday? Well, I do. Now, traditionally, on a holiday, I usually do a theme of the holiday, but I've been doing that for years. And you know me, I, I can only do the same thing so long, and then it's time for a change. And so today it's going to be very different. I've been writing a, a bill. I've been laboring. <laughs> so for Labor Day, I've actually been laboring. I've been laboring all Saturday, uh, afternoon, evening, Sunday morning. I work Sundays too, so I have a day job. It's uh, you know, the, the last of my uh, my day job stuff. But um, looking for sponsors. So if I get a few sponsors, you know, I'll be able to uh, um, devote more time to stuff I really want to do, like you know, write a second book. Anyway, so I had that to do. But uh, I I tend to the way the bill process works. Uh, is I tend to think about it for about a month and work out the detail in my head and kind of get the you know the pros and cons of perspectives the, uh, the you know the, the just everything that goes into uh, a new type of legislation because you got to define it you got to refine it you have to kind of focus you have to decide the scope of your legislation and then of course that all changes when you start writing <laughs> you know but you got to start from somewhere and so you get an idea of where you want to write and mine of course um, I added a, a, an extra government liability section so it's actually expanded but I think it's good. Uh, I just went over the whole thing this morning and made it clear, so it's better. And I'm hoping to get this bill to um, to President Trump's campaign here this week um, in anticipation of Congress coming back next week because they've been sitting around on their butts all month uh, while the rest of us have been working for a living. And so it's uh, the, the bill is called the Investigation Compliance Cost Payment and Government Liability Act. And that's a lot of gobbledygook, and I will explain it because this I think this bill, the whole concept is fascinating. This is new law. In fact, uh, someone said to me recently, uh, gee, Greg, and I've heard this before, too, uh, why, why are you writing new laws? Don't we have enough laws already? Well, no. <laughs> Quite frankly, it was not, it's not a question of enough laws. Uh, it's a question of the right laws. And so most of the laws that we write usually take away from other laws. I mean, we, we usually remove far more uh, verbiage in the U.S. code and the state legislative codes uh, than we add to it. Because our bills are so simple and straightforward that we can take, you know, volumes and re- reduce it down to like five sentences. Um, that's kind of how we do things around here. So it's, it's very, it's an interesting process. Now, our usual folks, uh, Jonathan Mosley and Dorothy Diana, uh, Diane, excuse me, will, will join us today. And so Dorothy might have a comment or two on, on the bill. She's actually been reading and, and helping me with it. Jonathan, you know, being a lawyer. <laughs> he's going uh, to take he's taking a look at it also. So between everybody, it should be very interesting um, to see how this all works out. So, so that's what's going on. I still have my DB meters. I still don't know if I'm broadcasting or not because, you know, we, until I get the producer um, going on this, it's, it's still it's, it's, it's broadcasting out of nowhere. And, of course, it's a holiday. It's worse. Nobody thinks we're on today. Uh, so most of my listeners, I'm sure, are going to be podcasts. And that's just how it works, and that's okay. Um, so no problem at all. Um, so anyway, yeah, so that's what's happening. All right, just checking messages real quick. Multitasking. Um, 
What else can I tell you? There's Congress is coming back. I do know that. That's going to be. Uh, we'll see what happens when they do get back. I don't think they're going to do much of anything. So again, people say, well, how many bills have you got passed? Well, a lot of this legislation, the real impact is not necessarily in its passage, but in its um, appearance in the public debate. You know, it's like it, uh, it 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 gives people an idea of what's possible. Yes, ultimately, I want all these bills to pass. That's why I write them. But a lot of it also has to do with uh, education. Uh, not only of uh, the politicians to realize what they should be doing, but also uh, the American people to see what can be done. And a lot of people don't realize that. There's, there's a, a ton of stuff um, that we do here that is brand new, that requires a, just a bunch of education and, and thinking. You've you got to think about it for, for a long time. I mean, I think about what I do here for a long time, and I'm the one kind of, you know, kicking, kicking the butt on this thing. It's like, let's go. Let's move along. You know, I'm extremely impatient. You know, I want, I want everything like yesterday, um, but I think that's how things get done. And so I'm never satisfied. The bills are never complete as far as I'm concerned. They're always subject to amendment, clarification, you know, making them better. And so that's, uh, that's how it works. But um, Congress, you know, like I say, by the time they get the bill, it should be a pretty much a foregone conclusion that it's going to pass. So if you want to get a citizen bill to pass, because we don't have the money, we don't bribe them like the special interests do. We don't have lobbyists on K Street. K Street, it's like Madison Avenue in New York where all the advertising firms are. Wall Street uh, in New York where the stock exchange and all the money people are. K Street in Washington is where all the lobbyists are. And so it's, it's, a, it's not that far from the White House, actually. It's, it's kind of interesting. I know I used to work on K Street when I was an intern uh, with the Consumer Federation of America uh, with a really decent man. Um, that, uh, um, although philosophically, I, you know, as I was there in Washington, came more to disagree with, had nothing but respect, Steve Brobeck, nothing but respect for that man. He taught me an amazing amount of stuff about Washington and just life in general. Um, so I don't even know if he's still with us because so he, he was probably, uh, you know, in his, uh, 40s or early fifties when, when I was there in my, uh, you know, 20, <laughs> so he would have been at least 20 years older than me. Um, but a uh, really interesting person. Anyway, so I had a great experience in Washington. A lot of what happened in that internship uh, is going into practice here. So I learned more in three months in Washington than I did in four years at, U- at the University of Massachusetts. Uh, you know, it, it, was, it, was quite, it was an amazing experience. Anyway, so a lot of that's coming here. So legislation that we write, and this is one of the things I learned, is that what happens in Washington is not what you see. It's what happens, you know, in the uh, golf courses and in the restaurants. You know, and at night, you know, when I used to come out of work at 11 o'clock at night sometimes because we were forced to work on a congressional campaign that was not part of my internship, but otherwise we would have been, you know, fired and thrown back to school uh, in, you know, in disgrace. So we kind of had to do it. So it was extorted labor. This is from, this is from, from you know, from liberal groups, right? So anyway, so we had to work on a campaign. Um, but I get out sometimes at 11, I have to be back at work at 9 the next morning. It was really quite a – now they fed us dinner. I mean, I, was, I lived on pizza for like three months. Um, but uh, I got to know the, the, the uh, ladies of the evening, shall we say, <laughs> yeah, outside. And, of course, you know, I was, I was the poor intern, so they didn't bother with me. They didn't even ask me. Was like, There's no point, right? It was, you know, hey, listen, folks, it's, it's really nice to meet you. So we actually became, you know, almost friends. It was kind of weird to, uh, you know, hi, Trixie, hi, Bambi, you know, how's things this evening? Oh, you know, nice to see you, Greg. <laughs> It was, a, you know, it was an amazing experience. I'll talk to anybody. Uh, but there are decent folks that were just uh, in a really horrible situation and trying to make the best of it. Um, but then the, the limos would pull up. And, you know, one of the ladies would hop in and off they go. And I'm thinking, like, well, this is, so this is how Washington works in the evening. It's a really interesting place. Anyway, so if we can get our bills into the public debate, if we can get them into the news, if we can get them, uh, you know, into, uh, the, into the pollsters' hands, into all the other places that they need to be, uh, we're going to be in pretty good shape. And so that's how that's going to work out. It's, it's really um, a fascinating process for what you don't see. 
And that's like anything else, you know, it's a, where, where you, know, you look at an iceberg, but where is it? Well, what, you know, uh, only a seventh of an iceberg is above the water. Most of it's underwater. Same thing with legislation. What you see in Washington, Washington is like one seventh and like the other six sevens are, are like hidden from view. Uh, and so that's what makes it such a fascinating place to be and scary, too, because they actually believe, you know, what they're doing is right. They actually believe that power for them is a good thing <laughs> because we have to uh, we have to change that and take their power away and uh, put it back to what they're supposed to be, which is a constitutional government. All right. So we've got a situation in this country now where if anybody is um, under a federal investigation, a whole bunch of really bad things happen. And I was watching uh, an ad this morning. No, it was at Rudy Giuliani, uh, America's mayor, Rudy Giuliani, you know, who saved this country from, uh, you know, mass corruption and mafia people and, and has convicted a whole bunch of terrorists and uh, organized crime figures and things like that. Uh, he's been gone after by the left because he's, you know, helping Donald Trump. And he's challenging the fact that uh, a coup d'etat, a seizure of the state, a stolen election took place. Of course, we all know that. Anybody listening to this show knows that the election was stolen. How else do you think Biden got to power? You don't, you don't think he actually won, do you? <laughs> can we, can we give me a break. I mean, the man's an idiot, uh, but he's the most dangerous idiot on, in the country. I mean, how does somebody as, as stupid as Joe Biden get that much power and being that corrupt? Uh, it's got to be a sociopath. Uh, it should be tested for you know, either a sociopath or a psychopath because no one else could uh, hurt their country that much and, and, and be so proud of what they've done. Uh, to me, that's just intellectually, emotionally impossible, but not for Joe Biden, apparently. So, you know. It's amazing what you can do to distort your values when money, uh, money is, in, is in the worst. So, so, so I'm watching Rudy Giuliani, and he's talking about his legal defense fund. I think, why should a person who's not been convicted need a legal defense fund? Why do you have to raise money to defend yourself? You know, even if you're a mass murderer, they'll appoint a public defender for you. Now, they may not be good, uh, but it's better than nothing. Well, maybe not. That's another story. That's probably a bad example. But the point is that, uh, that the government will help people uh, depending on, on who they are. So the government now is releasing people with no cash bail. So uh, the whole point of bail is to get, you, get your ass back and, you know, for your, your uh, trial. Without bail, there's no reason to come back you know, until you're arrested again. Well, the, what happens when you're arrested again? It doesn't matter. You're released, right, because there's no bail. So there's no reason for you to come back. So it doesn't matter how many times you're arrested. There's no reason for you to come back because there's no cash bail. There's nothing holding you to, to trial, so you never get to trial. So the arrest becomes a farce. That's why the police are leaving, all right? But for those that are political objectives of the, uh, the Biden coup, the coup d'etat, you know, those that are, we should call it the, the BCE, BCE. Isn't that like before Christ something, it used to be BC, right, BCE. This would be before the coup d'etat. So they take the D or the E, because it's French. It means coup of the state. And the coup, I think, like the coup de grace, or the coup de grace, you know, when you kill, it's like killing the state. I think it's literally what it means is killing the state. Uh, that would be the closest thing. We'll have to look up coup in French and get the, the exact translation. But I'm pretty sure that's, that's uh, my limited knowledge of French. Because de etat, it means state. So etats is the United States. Right? So that's, that's uh, so, you know, basic French stuff. All right. So we have a situation now where the, uh, I'll give you another example. The gun store up in, I think it's Wyoming. So the ATF, you know, the, 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 the agency that has no constitutional basis at all. In fact, the Constitution actually prohibits the ATF from, from existing, uh, as they do the DEA, the FBI, and several other national police forces. Uh, they're not there. Sorry, folks. The federal government's not in law enforcement. Now, there's only three crimes. We documented this in the bill that we have that uh, disarms the, uh, the federal bureaucracy, all 207,000 of them. Uh, the only three crimes are treason, um, what's the other one, piracy, and counterfeiting. That's it. Those are the only three crimes mentioned in the Constitution. So treason is handled by the Congress and arrested by, I would imagine, the U.S. Marshals. Uh, piracy, 
uh, on the high seas, Navy, Coast Guard, you know, in the air, Air Force, Air National Guard, uh, on land, I don't know, state police, um, who knows, state National Guards. I mean, so that's how piracy is handled. Uh, and counterfeiting is handled by the Secret Service, which needs to go back to Treasury because it involves money. Uh, so that's, so, and that's it. All those other agencies, they're unconstitutional, right? But it doesn't matter because they, they're, they're still here. Well, it does matter. But what I'm saying is they're here in, uh, in direct violation of the Constitution, and they're investigating and arresting people. Now, the federal government is so powerful that an investigation uh, never has to conclude. The investigation itself can destroy you. Uh, for example, people accused, uh, especially, well, be men almost exclusively, accused of child molestation by, you know, their spouses, <laughs> you know, their, their ex-wives. You know, uh, he's a child molester. Uh, you know, I mean, just making the accusation. Oh, gee, I wonder. You know, we don't think he did that, but, you know, you never know. I mean, you know, the, the attorney is saying that, you know, gee, maybe it's true. Okay. So, so that man, especially if the, that man's a teacher in elementary school, that's it. Career's over. Doesn't matter if there's there's guilt. Doesn't matter if there's uh, even suspicion of guilt. It's the accusation. It's like the old. Uh, this is what they used to do in in France during the uh, the French Revolution. J'accuse. I accuse you. Therefore, you're guilty. Well, it's a bunch of nonsense. But a lot of people lost their head. Literally, the terror. Robespierre. You know, égalité, fraternité, liberté. Well, I think it's the wrong word. Liberty, égalité, fraternity. Liberty, equality, and brotherhood. <laughs> yeah, one for all, all, all for one bunch of communists. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it, was, it was a terrible system. So people say, oh, the French Revolution. Oh, well, France had a revolution too, just like America. <laughs> no, it's not. It's, it's nothing like ours. Ours, in fact, was a war for independence, which is completely different. The revolution in America was a revolution of thought. Was, it was a lot closer to the Enlightenment. You know, when, uh, people realize that, uh, that, that, we, that we have natural rights. We have rights given by God that, that to be human, to, to have the rights that... Uh, you know, that uh, we were intended to have that make us human beings. And that's not about human rights. Those are group rights. But the individual rights that, that, that it is to be human, to speak freely, to worship freely, to express yourself, to be free from, from government, you know, coercion, extortion, uh, undue prosecution, things like that. That's why half the Bill of Rights is on the rights of the accused. The first thing the government does is, uh, j'accuse, as the French would say, I accuse, you're guilty, off with your head. And in democracy, of course, all you need is a majority, right? Oh, yeah. You know, so the lynch mob shows up, <laughs> lynch mob shows up and votes that you're guilty and then they hang you. That's a democracy in action, pure and simple. All right. So we don't do that here. Well, at least we well, it's Democrat South, but the Democrat, but to the Democrat is what made up the Confederacy. So what do you expect? Right. Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm getting a little far afield here. So the thing is that just an investigation, just the, uh, the the mere fact that the ATF is in your gun store looking at paperwork, looking for minor violations of paperwork. But they've got those big yellow ATF you know, letters on the back of their jackets. And they make sure to show them, too. They do that for a reason. They want everybody to know that this store is under investigation by the ATF. What does that do to you as a customer? You know, do you want to sit there and go, hey, ATF, my name is so-and-so and so-and-so. I'm buying a gun. You ain't going to do that. <laughs> First of all, they're not supposed to know. It's none of their damn business. You know, besides most of the crimes, oh, we have to register guns so we know when they're used in crimes. No, they don't do that. It, it, most of those guns are stolen anyway. So they never, you know, you check with law enforcement. They almost never use gun registration to solve a crime. You know, unless it's like uh, like in, in the home, you know, crime of passion, murder, things like that. You know, but uh, for the most part, no, because criminals don't use guns that the criminals don't get background checks. They don't use guns that they, that they you know, have personally purchased. That would be stupid. Criminals are, you know, they're pretty dumb for the most part, but they're not completely stupid. So they use stolen guns because they're not traceable, right? So, so why would you – so the only people that they're doing the, um, 
their registrations for are the honest people because they want to be, you know, the whole point is to confiscate them later. Anyway, so, but again, back to the whole idea that the investigation itself is a punishment. And so if you believe in the principle, and I'm going to work on this bill for a while. That's how I'm able to ramble so effectively at this point. But if you believe in the principle, which I do, uh, which is a stated principle of this country and is a legal binding principle that we are innocent until proven guilty, that means that an investigation cannot cause you to suffer any loss because the only time you can suffer loss of property or rights is after due process. And if you're just involved in an investigation, you have not been given your due process. Due process goes all the way through final conviction. Once there's a final conviction, oh, yeah, you can, you can use fines and you know, throw people in jail and, and civil asset forfeiture. Sure, of course you can. After conviction. Before conviction, no. <laughs> so what we're doing. So what this bill does, it does not stop the investigative power of any agency. It does not limit the power, although it certainly should be done. Uh, it does not touch that. So, so when I created the scope of this investigation, this, the investigation, uh, this bill is purely for those that are under investigation that are suffering uh, loss uh, or, or victimization or, or business loss or, or loss of status or customers or revenue, loss of anything because of a government investigation. Regardless of where it leads, that's, that's not how this works, right? And so let me get my Bill of Rights here. I want to check out uh, Article 4 uh, for due process. So due process, due process, due process. The rights of the people to be secure in their pe- persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches. Now, unreasonable means no, there's no reason for it. In other words, the reason for a search is you have a warrant. It should have said uh, against a search without a warrant. Because that's what unreasonable means. But we'll, just, but we'll just say warrantless. So the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects. Okay? So you can't be secure if the ATF's wandering around your store with big ATF letters on their back. You're not secure anymore, are you? Right? So, that's a, so the mere fact that they're in there displaying who they are is a Fourth Amendment violation. Right? And so against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. And no warrants shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. Okay, so I'm not saying the government cannot investigate. That would be stupid. I'm not doing that. What I'm saying is the government cannot use investigations to punish people or to get political objectives uh, met, you know, before final conviction. And the last, uh, here's the Fifth Amendment. No person shall be held for capital. Compelled to be a witness against himself. Here we go or to be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. Okay, so due process of law goes all the way through final conviction. And even after conviction, you still get due process of law. You can appeal. Right? So due process of law really never stops. So the question is, if the government is prosecuting you for a good reason, you've broken the law. You know, they can investigate you, prosecute you, and, and throw your ass in jail. Don't have a problem with that. That's, that's what they're supposed to do. However, if they're going after you for the specific uh, for a purpose other than a violation of law, of regulations, or, or things like that, then they're doing it vindictively. They're doing it for political purposes, and that they can't do. And so that's, that's the scope of this bill. That's what it's all about. So it says here, in, in, in all criminal proceed, proceed, prosecutions, blah, 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 blah. I can't read. You know, this is why I can't read. You wonder why I can't read books? I can't even read a sentence. <laughs> you know, I'm not a stupid guy. I mean, I, I just wrote a bill. It's, it, for me, it's, I know this is going to sound weird. It's easier for me to write a bill than it is for me to read one. It, I, Honest to God, I, I lose it. I, I, even reading my own bills, I lose it. And my bills are pretty interesting, I, you, you would think, right? I, I, I get bored reading my own bills. And uh, it's, it's a long story. Amendment 6. In all criminal pros- prosecutions, the accused shall enjoy the right of a speedy and public trial. Oh, that means that they have to be uh, videoed. So, so there you go, uh, Trump folks. It says right here, speedy and a public trial. Okay. Well, how are things public in the old days? Well, everybody could go watch, right? Well, how are they public in, in the modern days? Well, it's online. <laughs> You know, it's video. You got live cameras. 
So the federal government, which I don't think allows cameras in the courtroom, that's a bunch of BS. That's unconstitutional by the Sixth Amendment. It says right here, public trial. Well, the only way for it to be public, uh, a public trial is for the public to be able to watch it. Well, we've got a big country now with, you know, not everybody can fit in the courtroom, right? So anybody that wants to watch it, it should be available online uh, on media and uh, YouTube. <laughs> okay. That's, that's public, right? And it says by an impartial jury um, uh, of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. Well, that includes Washington, D.C. Which says, to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation and to be confronted with witnesses against them. To have a compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor and to have assistance of counsel for his defense. All right. So those are, those are the good things. Well, so let's, uh, now, the actual process is something quite different. <clears throat> so uh, before I get to the bill, I'm going to read you the bill, give you a chance to look it up, and then I'm going to come back after a little info break. And what is it, 720? 720. Info break. So uh, I'll, you know, I wonder how many people tuned in just to, uh, just to catch us you know, on the holiday, wondering what they were going to find. This is kind of like a regular show. All right, so the bill is the Investigation Compliance Cost Payment and Government Liability Act. It is under writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. If you go to the menu bar, you will see legislation. If you click on legislation and you will click on citizen bill ideas, this is our workshop. This bill is not ready for submission. Um, to the federal government, the Trump campaign, uh, state legislatures. Uh, it's not, I'm sending it out, but it is not ready to go yet. It is still in process. So our committee of the Action Radio Group is going to be meeting in the next hour, who Jonathan and me, basically. Uh, I sent this out to my fellow reporters. They're taking, taking a look at it as well uh, on my Action Radio Group. And so they're looking at it. I have people helping me edit. Um, so this is much more of a cooperative effort now. Anybody else who has a suggestion is welcome to make a comment at the bottom of the bill. That's why we write the bills the way we do. This is new law. This is brand new. No one has anything. I, believe me, this is, this is one of the things that takes the most time is I have to search, you know, all the, the U.S. code to see if this law is already there. And finding none, I decide to write one. Okay. There's actually a process to this. You know, you got to search. You got to find out if it's done before. You got to find out if it's state level. You know, I didn't really look at the state level because this is a federal law. Um, but there's just things that you do. You know, you don't reinvent the wheel. Don't, don't write a bill if there's like 15 others that are exactly the same just to support one of them. Okay, so we don't reinvent the wheel. We, I look around and see if anybody else is doing that. Uh, generally not. <laughs> it seems more often than not that we're originals here uh, in what we do. So you click on legislation and you go to citizen bill ideas and you click on it and it's the top one because they just wrote it yesterday. <laughs> you know, that's when it was, it was, it was published yesterday. Right? This, is how, this is how new this bill is. So I wrote it uh, the day before that. So I wrote it Saturday afternoon and evening and Sunday morning and a little bit this morning uh, after I woke up way too early. And so that's where it is. All right, let's take a quick uh, info break, let you know the contact information, and I'll be back uh, and we'll go over the bill. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. 
This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gravecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gravecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask to the answers no one has thought to consider the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio.
So, yes, I'm laboring this Labor Day. I'm not in labor because I'm a guy, but I'm definitely laboring. <laughs> so I just thought I'd throw that in. I think I, I sent that, you know, it's a big joke. I think most people even came up with that. So I'm not in labor for Labor Day. <laughs> just, so it's just amusing stuff we send around. So um, in the interest of time, since I pretty much went over the introduction to the bill, I'm going to go right to the actual bill itself. All right. So uh, the Investigation Compliance Cost Payment and Government Liability Act. So the purpose of this is to give people the same amount of money that the government is spending on their investigation so they can defend themselves. All right. So that nobody suffers any financial penalty, needs a legal defense fund so that nobody loses their business, loses their friends, loses, uh, you know, their life, <laughs> loses, all kinds of, you know, commits suicide. All the things that can happen during the course of an investigation, which never even gets to conviction. All right. So that's what this is for. So not only do they get the equivalent cost of um, the investigation that the government spent on them. So in other words, Trump would get, uh, you know, if the government spends $50 million trying to prosecute him, then Trump gets $50 million in his defense. Okay. That's, uh, let's call this defense equity. <laughs> you like, I'm going to write that down. That's kind of cool word, defense equity. Um, oh, my God. I scare myself sometimes where I pull up these terms. So, so defense equity is, is whereby, you know, and not only does do, in this bill do you get the, the, whatever the government has spent on you, that seems fair, right? Um, but you also get to, to build the government for compliance costs, legal fees, paper duplication, consulting. I mean, anything that goes into your defense, lost revenue from customers, lost goodwill. You know, it's, it's, there's a lot in this bill. Uh, and I really, like I say, I thought about it for about a month or so. It's been bothering me as I hear more and more of the prosecution of Trump people. Um, well, let me just read it to you. So proposed new law, Title 18, Chapter 205, Section, New Section 3119. Okay. So if you go to, to uh, U.S. Uh, code, I always use the Cornell LII, the Legal Information Institute. So you go to the Cornell Legal Information Institute, Cornell LII, comma, uh, Title 18, Chapter 205. Uh, it will give you a bunch of sections. Uh, I forgot, th- like 3,000 through 3,000, or 3,100 through 3,119, whatever it is. Anyway, so the last one is 3,118. So this is where I found the best place to add uh, this law. Actually, we're creating a new section of law because as I looked around, nothing like this exists in federal law. So Title 18, Chapter 205, new section 3119, and the title is Compliance and Other Costs, period, Government Liability, period. So it's actually two things, two things. It's government. So, so the, the section I added to this sometime late Saturday night was, like, you know, I need a liability section here, too. <laughs> it just popped in my head, right? So this is Compliance and Other Costs, Government Liability. So there's two sections to the, there's two parts to this section. A, purpose. The purpose of this section is for the government to pay all the costs of compliance, lost revenue, lost employees, lost customer market share, and goodwill in any and all legal fees, document searches, collections, and presentations, and if any cost at all to anyone, any company, any organization, any entity at all under any federal investigation, such that any party being investigated suffer no loss at all. I think I said at all too many times. When you read it out loud, it makes a difference. So this bill is still going to be edited. So suffer no loss during the course of and as a result of any federal investigations and all follow-up due process up to final conviction. So you got it? So the government's going to pay the costs uh, ahead of time uh, of compliance. Implementation, <clears throat> Section B. At the very first contact with the subject of an investigation by electronic, phone, mail, or any other method before any federal personnel make any personal contact with any person, company, organization, or entity of any kind, a direct deposit shall be made to the main account of the subject of an investigation equal to the total amount spent on that investigation from all sources for all reasons, including any federal contractors. 
This amount shall be paid so that the subject of any investigation may begin compliance with and defense against the investigation without cost to them or their company or other entity. Got it? So that's, that's, uh, pretty, that's pretty straightforward. All right. So, yeah. So the first section purpose, this is why we're doing it, so that nobody becomes a victim before they, um, before they are actually uh, you know, convicted. Same thing with civil asset forfeiture. You remember civil asset forfeiture? You know, so back during the drug days, uh, the cocaine <clears throat> coming out of Colombia, um, a lot of police departments would seize things. They'd seize your, your cigarette boat. You know, I guess the guy's name because they used to run cigarettes in them, right? They're really fast, long, thin boats, very fast. Um, or they'd seize your house. So they'd seize anything that they thought might be involved in a drug or other criminal operation. Okay? That's called civil asset forfeiture. The problem was they were doing it before conviction. So the courts rightly said, uh, wait a minute, <laughs> excuse me, not only, you know, because the police departments were, were, were then confiscating things and then selling them. So you didn't get them back. So people were losing class arms collections. They were losing all kinds of stuff. And the police would keep them because, like, they seized them, right? So it's theirs. No, that's not how it works, right? And so it, now the, the way it works is uh, that you have to have a conviction. Due process, right, before any property can be taken, you know, Fifth Amendment. Um, before any, any deprivation of life or property, you have to have full due process, right? And uh, with search and seizure and all those other rules, you know, can, you know, uh, trial, speedy trial, public trial, all, all the stuff we just went over. Okay. Uh, so now, of course, that applies to American citizens. It doesn't apply to illegal aliens who can't be here, who have no rights. That's a different story. Their stuff you just take because it shouldn't be here. It's like, oh, who, you can't take it. They have rights. No, they don't. Not in this country. They're not of this country. They're, they're not of we, the people of the United States, as it says in the Constitution. They're just they, the people from another country who are here illegally. Well, that doesn't give many rights here. <laughs> that would be stupid. Right? Anyway, C, compliance costs. Any entity subject to subject, uh, any entity subject to, it should say, a federal investigation, in addition to being paid the equal amount spent by the federal government on their, on their investigation, shall bill the investigating agencies or other federal government entities for any individual or ongoing compliance costs during the entire ongoing investigation. I use that term ongoing investigation on purpose. These costs shall include, but shall not be limited to, all legal and attorney fees and related legal expenses, any paperwork expenses for research, collection, duplication, and transportation, any hiring of personnel or other companies to deal with the investigation, any other expenses incurred as a result of any federal investigation. So I'm going to put, uh, I'm going to put edit, I'm going to make a little edit column for myself. Again, legislation is never done until it's submitted. And then it's their problem. <laughs> All right. Next one here. D, recouping lost revenue. The previous 12 months of operation of any person or entity subject to a federal investigation shall use this as a benchmark to measure against the revenue acquired during the entire course of any investigation. Okay? Should any drop in revenue, customer base, or market share result directly or indirectly from any federal investigation, the difference in revenue from previous months shall be reimbursed on a monthly basis to any person and entity involved in any ongoing investigation. So if the ATF costs your gun store money, you get it back. Okay. So wait a minute. I had, uh, <clears throat> you know, I sold uh, $20,000 worth of guns, you know, a year ago. I only sold uh, $2,000 worth of guns this month because you people have been sitting in my store. So they, that store would then be owed $18,000. That's how that works. Continuity, Section E. Regardless of the length of time of any investigation, the number of investigations, the number of personnel involved in the investigation, the number of departments, agencies, or other government entities involved in any investigation. I mean, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be comprehensive here, right? All compliance payments equal to the total cost from all government sources 
of the investigation plus the costs incurred by the subject or subjects of the investigation stated section shall be made all the way through arrest, trial, final verdict, and conviction. Compliance and other cost payments stop only at this point. So the compliance payment is the one that you get um, from the government based on how much they spend on you. So if they spend, you know, $10,000 on your investigation, which is pretty minimal, that's like, you know, a couple of days work for one person. Okay. Then you get 10,000 bucks to defend yourself. Right. So it's not a big investigation. If you're Donald Trump, you can probably get a hundred million dollars. You know, so the government's probably spent at least a hundred million dollars investigating Donald Trump from all different sources. And probably more, maybe more like 200 million. Who knows how much they spent? Whatever they spent, they give it to him. That's a compliance. That's a compliance cost uh, um, payment. And that's, bef- that's before. Well, it's not compliance. No, compliance costs. Oh, geez, I'm gonna, uh, maybe I'm getting messed up in my head here. So compliance is how much it costs to, to pay it. The, the, I gotta find it. Maybe I have a name for that. Yet. This is why we're, this is why editing is so important. This is why you have to go over these things in public. This is why I do this by committee. So I've got to find another. So compliance costs are what uh, you bill the government directly for. The, we need to call it the. I guess we will call it the defense equity payment is the one that you get beforehand. So whatever the government has spent investigating you, you get that. We might, I might call that the defense equity payment. Maybe that makes more sense. Okay, I'll work, I'll work on the bill after the show. Ongoing process. That's how we do things, right? So recouping lost revenue, continuity. Uh, and the next one, personal liability. Okay, this is a whole section unto itself. So personal liability has, it's section F in the bill. It has one, two, three, four, five different parts to it. Six different, excuse me, six different parts. And then the last part, section G, is restitution. So we go through these. Looks like I will have time for the uh, the introduction because these are fairly self-explanatory, uh, which is the way I try and write. Again, questions? You've got live chat. You can call me two one five three eight three three eight three two. After the show, you can message me on Facebook. Um, and so uh, it's, there's a bill. The bill's there. Of course, they they don't let me show the the bill the logo anymore, so it's hard to find. It's just like a white background. So they take away the logo from my show. They take away the logo from my bill. So they're they're trying to uh, completely suppress me, but I won't go away. You know, as long as I'm still breathing, I'm still here. Don't get any ideas, feds. Ain't going anywhere that easily. All right. Let me slow down here. Personal liability, section F. Anyone or any entity subject to any federal investigation may bring a lawsuit to any government person, department, agency, or any other division of government if it appears that the purpose of the investigation is not to prosecute, convict, bring about fines and incarceration, but for some other objective. This would include to punish the subject of the investigation by draining their funds, destroying their business, driving away their customers, or by threatening excessive penalties for minor infractions of law or paperwork violations. You can hold, so this is the thing. So if the government goes after you for a reason other than, you know, a proper law enforcement, fines, incarceration, you know, kind of, you know fines in prison, you know, a, a typical law enforcement uh, thing, if they go after anything else, because you're a target of their weaponization, like the conservative groups that Lois Lerner targeted, uh, refused to give them nonprofit status, refused to do all kinds of things. She would be personally liable for that. That's not part of her job. As, as an IRS uh, commissioner, officer, executive, whatever, whatever her position was, it is not part of her job description to discriminate against conservative groups and not give them nonprofit status, in fact, and investigate them more thoroughly. That violates equal protection. So she'd be personally liable for that under this section. Okay, so that's how that works. So this is a pretty comprehensive bill. I just have to work out some details and a few things and make it clearer. And again, that's a process. This is why I show it to everybody. <laughs> you know. 
Subdivision one, political investigations. If the subject of a federal investigation determines that the investigation is solely for a political purpose, not related to any genuine violation of law, then all government personnel and divisions of government involved shall be personally and organizationally liable to the subject of the investigation. That would go up to Joe Biden, boy. I said all, right? All is a big word. If the subject of a federal investigation determines that the investigation is solely for a political purpose, not related to any genuine violation of law, then all, once again, all, third time, all government personnel and divisions of government involved, because a lot of these are multi-agency task forces, well, then multi-agency task forces are going to be liable for this. And anybody that worked on the case is going to be liable for it if they weren't a whistleblower and if they didn't say something. So the responsibility of government is to do their job properly. It's also their responsibility to say when the government is not doing their job properly because you can be held liable for not reporting things that are staring you right in the face. Yeah, I'm not trying to make these people comfortable. This is the reason I'm doing this because they're trying to, you know, because they have almost immunity from anything they do and that, that's got to change. Anyway, personally and organizationally liable to the subject of the investigation. So there's no limits there, right? Now, uh, let's do a Rush Limbaugh moment. But Greg, but Greg, you know, what about a stupid lawsuit where everybody gets sued because they're being investigated? Well, that's why you have courts and judges and, and the term frivolous lawsuit. If it's a frivolous lawsuit, it gets thrown out. Okay? And that's the determination of the court. But at least it has to get to court. See, right now, these things aren't even getting to court. Oh, great. You can type the courts. Okay, hire more judges. Maybe there's a bigger problem than we thought. See, there's always an answer. Just ask me. Political incarceration. This is, I wrote this for the January 6th people. Number two, political incarceration. Anyone held in custody beyond the constitutional requirement for a speedy trial by a jury of one's peers, they shall have the legal recourse to sue their captors, jailers, and any government personnel that had any part in their extended incarceration, especially if subject to cruel, unusual, or even differential treatment than is customary or in practice for the crimes charged. You like that? So in other words, if you're treating January 6th people differently, that's political incarceration, political prisoner. Okay, so so what it does is it gives political prisoners the ability to sue their captors. Well, what if their captors are there for justice? Again, I'm not putting limits on this. This is going to be fascinating to see, uh, A, if we can get this into law, and B, what happens in the courts. Are you lawyers? you want to earn your money? Hey, National Trial Lawyers Association, and the people that don't answer my phone calls, don't return my emails. Yeah, this is, this, this is, this is a goldmine for you people. This is my vaccine product liability and my uh, big tech censorship bills. Absolute gold. We're talking billions of dollars in settlements for the national trial lawyers. Do they call me back? No, because they're idiots. I can't help that. It's not my problem. What is my problem? Because I want to get the bill in public. Now, if the National Trial Lawyers Association would uh, deem to, uh, uh, to actually make a contribution to Action Radio or to take our bills and market them for us, I would be greatly appreciative because <laughs> it's going to make you guys billions. Finder's fee, whatever you think is, you know, a, a reasonable advertise on my show. Absolutely. I'll, I'll take your advertising. National Trial Lawyers Association that doesn't answer my emails or phone calls. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Fair warning. <sighs> Withholding of exculpatory evidence, section number three of section F. Any Department of Justice official, officer, agent, investigator, lawyer, prosecutor, any judge in any proceeding. Yeah, I'm going after them too. Any person involved in any way with any part of the process from an investigation to conviction who knowingly withholds anything that would exonerate or help the defense of, or any entity under investigation, arrest, custody, or trial, they can be held liable in a lawsuit by any victim of such withholding. Pretty clear? If you're lying, if you're withholding evidence, if you're doing, if you're prosecuting, this is January 6th, 
This is January 6th written all over it. Hey, Brandon Straka, are you listening? I should send him the bill. I'm going to write that down. Brandon Straka. He was on the show not too long ago. Brandon Straka. Brandon Straka. You're going to love this bill. He's got a bigger audience than I do for now. <laughs> you can get it out there. Coercion, number four. Lawyer or other government employee who pressures or threatens anyone under investigation, prosecution, or trial up through final conviction for the purpose of having that person admit guilt for a crime they have not committed, especially to avoid being charged with a more severe crime they have not committed, may be held personally liable by the subject of the coercion. This part shall not apply uh, affect or apply to plea bargains for crimes that have been committed. So we're not talking about real crimes here. Okay, we're not talking about crimes that have been committed that go through normal due process, you know, proving innocence and guilt. What we're talking about is people being threatened for crimes that have not been committed. And if you know, you know, January 6th, you know, you, you, you watch into a restricted area that wasn't marked restricted. Well, you had no idea. Okay, so they said, well, you watch into a restricted area. Well, it wasn't marked. Well, that's not our problem. <laughs> you know, who, who, we, we unmarked him for a reason so we could arrest you. Okay, so that's, and they say, well, you better plead guilty to trespass or we're going to get you for, that's exactly what this section was written for. Okay, so coercion. So if they try to get you to admit to, and this happened all the time, January 6th, people are still doing it. They're doing this all the time, right? Thousands are saying, okay, I'll cop to a misdemeanor. Please don't put me in jail for 20 years for a felony I didn't commit. So I'll cop to a misdemeanor that I didn't commit in order not to get a felony that I didn't commit. That's coercion. It's actually extortion. I'm going to call it coercion. So anytime a federal official does that, they're, they're liable. They will be personally liable for coercing or trying to threaten somebody with, you know, a severe crime, a more severe crime that they didn't commit, you know, by making them cop to uh, another, a lesser crime that they didn't commit. So you notice that we're, I'm staying away from the normal process of justice, the normal, invest, normal investigation process, the normal arrest process, the normal conviction process and incarceration. That's not the problem. Well, this is other problems, but what we're talking about here is the, the, the not so normal, you know, the political and the last one was two more. Media, number five. Gee, Greg, freedom of the press and all that. Okay, yeah, listen to it carefully, okay? I'm very clear to stay away from anything, anything that affects freedom of the press. In fact, I specifically would declare, we'll see. Number five, media. Any media personnel and any media organizations who and which are involved in recording or broadcasting the arrest or any other legal action in public of any person or entity subject to a federal investigation. And here we go for the purpose of maximizing the political impact of the government action for propaganda or other purposes unrelated to journalism and investigative reporting by working in conjunction or cooperation with any person or part of any federal government operation, they shall be liable to the subject of the public federal government action. So in other words, Roger Stone, CNN knew because they, they were alerted by the FBI that Roger Stone was going to be arrested. They were there to film all those boats with the SWAT team on the boats. Boat SWAT. Well, watch out for SWAT boat. <laughs> the boat SWAT or SWAT boat? I think SWAT boat sounds better. So you had the SWAT boats. You had the SWAT trucks. You had Hondo. So you had all the SWAT teams out there, right? So why was CNN there? How did they know? But the only way they could have known is if the government told them. And if the government told them, now they're cooperating and now they're working in conjunction. I put both words in just in case. So if they work in conjunction and not cooperating, that's different. <laughs> well, I, don't know if, I guess they both apply. So if the fact that CNN was there to film Roger Stone, the, the only reason for the, for the broadcasting that was, was political. 
political propaganda purposes. It was a bogus accusation. Hey, oh, I should have bogus accusations. I need a new section on bogus accusations. I'll talk to Jonathan about that. Maybe we'll write it on the air. Accusations. I'm going to like this bill more and more. And again, they're not perfect when we start out. You know, this is like a third draft. <laughs> it's like sculpting. Writing legislation is like sculpting. Keep crafting more. Check live chat. Nobody's on live chat. Hopefully I'm broadcasting. Uh, and if you want to call the Skype line, the Skype line, live chat is open worldwide, and the Skype line is open worldwide also. So, but the Skype line, you have to call in in advance, and I have to approve your account for you to call the show. But you can call the show when I'm on the air. You can call the show from anywhere in the world as soon as your account's approved. You know, that's how we got uh, uh, Catherine Arnett from calling in from Japan last year. Call right into the show from Japan. Inakui or whatever it was, you know, near Hiroshima or Hiroshima, Japan. She called us. She's a Marine that, uh, anyway, it's an interesting story. Um, but that's, you know, I've had, uh, I've had a few calls. Uh, my friend Anthony, uh, Anthony in New Zealand called us on the Skype line. It was like one in the morning his time. <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. I'm trying to get him back on. But it's tough to get him like one or two in the morning, you know, depending on the showtime. All right. So, of course, we've got media. Here's the last one. Uh, probably one of the most important parts of this little section here. Conspiracy against rights. Number six. Title 18, Section 241 and 242, Conspiracy Against Rights and Conspiracy Against Rights Under Color of Law shall apply fully to this chapter and section and can be used in any lawsuit under this part. So not only can government officials, two or more who conspire to deny the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right, or in the case of 242, any law enforcement personnel that conspire to deny the exercise of, or enjoyment of any constitutional right are not only able to be prosecuted by the government, which they don't do because it's government prosecuting the government, right? But this will allow personal liability of those people who have denied rights to be sued under this part using that part. And the last one, uh, Section G, restitution. Any person, business, group, club, organization, or any other entity that was damaged, lost, or destroyed because of a federal investigation shall have the right and ability to sue the officials, officers, and agents involved personally and to sue the agencies, departments, or government entities involved to fully restore all income, property, businesses in operating condition, and the total restoration of any other entity where in all cases there has not been a final conviction. So again, we're not trying to overturn convictions here. What we're saying is if the government goes after you for a purpose other than law enforcement, for proper legal you know, enforcement through fines, you know, regulations, compliance, you know, all that kind of stuff, if they go after you because of some other reason or, or during the course of when they're going after you for the investigation, because you're still not guilty yet for those reasons, you know, if they have gone after you in the past. So this is, this is the section that allows people in the past to bring a lawsuit to go. So there's no statute of limitations on this, right? So if you're suffering a loss, you might suffer that loss the rest of your life. I wonder if we would include COVID. People who lost their lives during COVID, who the government investigated. Now, of course, state governments are welcome to model this for their own state. This is perfectly applicable to the states as well. It's written in general language enough that except for the uh, conspiracy against rights, Title 18, but the states might have their own code. So you just, it, it wouldn't take much to adapt this to any state in the country, except California, Michigan, and New York, because they would never do it. <laughs> for the rest of them would. All right. So about 10 minutes before Johnson gets here, uh, let me take another look. I'm going to sort of read. I don't know what I should do. Let me get the introduction. I got time to read the introduction. So this way you'll have the whole bill, the whole bill here until, of course, I revise it. <laughs> then who knows what's going to happen? I'd say this bill is about 90% of the way there. So it's most of the way there. 
So here's the introduction. This is what I wrote in order to justify this bill, because the the three parts to any uh, legislation coming out of Action Radio, the first part is the introduction. Why do you want this bill? What are you doing? Second part, the old bill. Well, there is no old bill, so I don't have a second part. Third part is our new bill. Because we're actually writing new law here, law that's never been written, as far as I know, ever in this country, because we've never had a situation this bad, um, then, uh, and this also protects people in future administrations, too. This, this law would not go away. This is just ap- is applicable <clears throat> to a bad Republican administration, as it is to a tyrannical Democrat administration. It, it doesn't matter. Or a non-administration, in the case of uh, the Brandon coup. Um, so it's just as applicable in all those different cases. All right, I'm going to take a big drink of water after this. <laughs> well, actually, I'm going to take one now. Let me see if I can uh, then get through this. Vocal cords are now set. Here we go. Introduction. One of the most important principles of our country is that everyone is innocent until proven guilty. However, just because you haven't been convicted and all your due process given, you can still be treated as a criminal or worse, be a victim of a criminal investigation, even if never proven guilty of anything. Simply an investigation itself, without any formal charges, can still damage or destroy a person, group, business, any private entity. The cost of compliance, the presence of federal officers in your place of business, the legal fees, the fear and doubt placed in customers, friends, and family, and the stigma that there must be something to the investigation, or why else would the government be investigating, brings about doubt and mistrust that can change lives forever. Therefore, one of the greatest weapons of a government investigation is the change in perception of the subject to guilty until proven innocent. That suspicion will always be there. And so the subject or subjects of the investigation are never perceived as totally innocent or beyond any reasonable doubt ever again. The effect and power of a government investigation is infinitely magnified when that government came to power illegally and recognizes no law save for what they make up and want for themselves. Such is the case with the Biden illegal government that came to power in a coup d'etat which stole the 2020 election. Yeah, I wrote that. The Department of Justice in this criminal regime is being used as a weapon against any challenge to their illegally acquired power. Therefore, their investigations have become just as illegal as they are. When the executive is allowed by the rest of the government to investigate, let me set that one again. When the executive is allowed by the rest of the government, that would be the GOP gelding old party, okay, uh, when the, and every other person is not you know, stopping them, right? When the executive is allowed by the rest of the government to investigate, prosecute, and incarcerate anyone and be able to seize anything all for their own power, control, and perpetuation, anyone or any entity that challenges their power or simply says their power is illegitimate is a potential victim of a federal investigation. I guess that would not include me, right? Therefore, <clears throat> back to the bill, we the people have to have a way to fight and stop such tyranny. This applies to all future legal legal administrations as well. They all have bureaucrats acting independently as warlords, and the president, even a good one, can't watch them all. Excuse me. The Congress is always going to have enough aspiring dictators to cover or hide the actions of such bureaucrat authoritarians. Therefore, this new law is required. In order to prevent anyone or any entity under a federal investigation from suffering any penalty or loss before full due process has been exercised and an actual conviction has has been rendered in a court of law. 
The way to do this is to pay in advance to anyone under investigation the same total amount that the investigating agency is paying for their own investigation. And in, in addition to pay for any compliance costs, legal fees, and for any lost revenue due to the investigation itself or any reduction of goodwill or other loss of customer support. So we're going to call that, uh, I don't know, I gotta, let's call it defense equity payment. I got, I got to find a name for the payment before. The, 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 it's definitely an equality payment. I'll, I'll think of a name for it. This is, how, this is how I find, like I say, flaws in the bills. And then I said, the last little bit, the goal of this legislation is that no person or other entity should ever suffer or experience any loss because of a federal investigation. Since we are, since we are innocent until proven guilty, such guilt must be proven before any loss can be suffered. No one should ever have to create a legal defense fund to defend against the unlimited power and revenue behind the federal government. This legislation is the great equalizer such that any citizen and any other entity in this country is not only innocent until proven guilty, but is without loss, victimization, stigma, or any other penalty as well. That's it. That's the bill. The Investigation Compliance Cost Payment and Government Liability Act, written by yours truly, September 3rd, 2023. In other words, I finished it. Well, it's, it's still being written, but for the most part, I finished it yesterday. All right, let's take another break. It is 7.57. Jonathan's going to be here in just a couple of minutes. 7.57, that was an airplane. <laughs> Not the fun I have here. Scary, huh? All right, so let's get to, what else can I play you for here? A couple of things, and I'll be right back. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Cut doing messages. <laughs> Back now. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call-ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener and help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. 
you make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, W-Y-L, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. All right. Whoop, okay, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> it's so crazy. Jonathan's right on time, so I'm going to play his theme, and I'll just look for it down here real quick, and we shall, uh, we shall get ourselves uh, going here. What is the law? Are we under the rule of law? Does that mean those who make the laws rule us? Aren't we under the consent of we the people? where we write the laws we consent to be governed by and rule the government? Who is the law? Is it the Supreme Court, the President, the Congress, the states? Can you take the law into your own hands? Is there any time the law isn't in your own hands? In a country under a coup d'etat and a stolen government, there is no law. But there are a whole bunch of things being done in the name of law. And now, with this state of confusion and contradiction, let's try to find a way out together by using the law. Because if our government of the people, by the people, and for the people means anything, it means we the people are the law. And now, to try and make some sense of all this, and use the law as it was meant to be used to find our way back to freedom, it's time now for the legal report with Jonathan Mosley. I have to tell you, Jonathan, that uh, theme that I made is never more appropriate than yeah, it is right I, now. Yeah, how you doing? So yeah, mark it on your calendar. A day I was actually on time, not oh, no, not so too you're, soon, you're too early. You're within a uh, couple but, minutes. Uh, I mean, you're 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 generally right on time. I don't, I don't have any problems. Yeah. So I um um. You know, I, I I don't know whether to respond to what's in the news or what's in your promo there because um, I, I think if you went to uh, Thomas Let's Jefferson's house, mm-hmm. what? Let's 
do both. We got time. We got an hour. Well, why, Mike? I, no, I think you take you take years to talk about. Well, it's probably true of most of the things we. Okay, but what take an is, hour. We'll make it make sense. What is the law, my God? I think if you went to <clears throat> to Monticello, to mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson's library, whatever, he'd probably kick you out. Um, without no, I'm, I'm actually <laughs> actually he would actually he would actually I think he would probably say get out. This is a joke. Because well, no, those actually, are the kinds of questions. That question is a real question. I'll tell you where it came from. Um, uh, oh, I had a, well, what I had question? A legal... There were like 10 questions there. Okay, well, this is <clears> the, <throat> the, the one that you're talking about. What is the law? And in fact, that question came from, I, I had a legal studies course in the University of Massachusetts back in, in 1979. I think I started uh, uh, taking legal. I, took, I was more interested in the law. So I took legal studies and I took my, my first course, my, actually my only course in constitutional law. And the legal studies class was a bunch of disaffected lawyers uh, who were, couldn't stand the, the business and they wanted to teach. It was great. They wanted to teach legal studies. So they had all these liberal lawyers that hated what was going on with the government and everything else. Uh, they probably went through Watergate and, and that whole thing just a few years previously. And, and the first question that uh, – I'll think of his name at some point. Brilliant man. Really fun class. And he said, what is the law? Well, the laws are – no, what is the law? And that, that, it always stuck with me. It's funny what you remember from college. But, uh, yeah, so that's why that question is in your theme. What is the law? You know, and, and what my, the phrase I really am getting dis- disgusted with is what is the rule of law? I said, wait a minute. We're not ruled by the law. You can't have a government of the people. It's a government of the rule of law. That's a totally different concept. Make sense? Well, yeah, yes. but I think they're just being sloppy with, it, with their language. Um, no, but no I mean, it, 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 does, it <laughs> does deal with the whole meaning of the United States, the idea originally that um, – you know, there, there's a there's a phrase. Uh, my French is escapes me enough to about. Coup d'état. Um, you know, might. Coup d'état. Is well, no, the the, the, the the king is the law, um, and might you know might makes right is a, is a big part of our our. Le roi de something. Something yes, right, really yes, something. Yeah. I mean, I should or, remember, or, but I I just. Um, or Charles um, I. <clears throat> so Charles I was beheaded the, um, by Cromwell for the divine right of kings. If the king says so that's it, it's from the God. Thing. And you know, yeah. I, I spent okay. You know, first of all, let me let me wish everybody a happy happy Labor Day. This is the weekend. Especially if you're in labor. We, when we well, that's right. This is when we commemorate when my mother went into labor. Um, <laughs> so I appreciate the, I appreciate the country all um, <clears throat> all celebrating my. You know my mother's labor over that that weekend so many years ago. Uh, was but, the, were you born uh, on Labor Day? Mm, I don't even know when exactly Labor Day is. No, but I'm I'm not being to 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 to, to um, save my credit rating or yeah, I, I'm not giving the exact date. Um, okay, fine. But um, <laughs> the um, anyway, so uh, my family all got together, and I had to be. Uh, subjected to my brother who's like this you know uh overriding genius and but he knows a lot we we got talking about was world war one world war two the uh what is it the french prussian war were they all the same war um and you know he was just talking we were just talking this weekend about how you know all the way back to waterloo napoleon all these kinds of things. It was. It, it's always been this um, battle between the elites, 
and the people, the elites who think that they want, you know, might makes right. And mm. the king is the law, mm. um, <clears throat> except when, of course, the, the, the whatever you call it, the, the uh, advisors tell the law, you know, manipulate the king to do what they want. But right. in theory, the, the crown that, uh, behind which they, they hide, you know, is the law because of the divine right of kings versus the people who don't think that's such a great idea, but mm-hmm. typically are unruly and chaotic and um, <clears throat> create such a mess well, that you know, well, it's also I mean, what they it's been going on for centuries. Yeah, but it's also what they enforce. To, See, the, 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 the king can only be the law because the king has the army. The king has the soldiers, right. the swords, the guns, the spears, the cannons. You know, the whole reason for disarming the population is so that they can make the law the law. Whatever they say the law is, well, and, is the law because they've and got the And they gun. also, I mean, we could get into a huge theological discussion, but... Um, and well, I want to get to my bill at some point. But, but the church, <laughs> yeah. the church um, institution, not Jesus Christ, not true Christianity, not what I believe to be authentic, <clears throat> mm-hmm. you know, Christian religion, but in, in the name, you know, the church organization... Mm-hmm. has, uh, you know, also backed that up. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you don't honor God's chosen king, you're going to hell. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, <clears throat> which I think is not a correct reading. I mean, there, there's a there's a point where it says, do not touch the Lord's anointed. And then there's the point where God anointed, Je- you know, chose Jehu to go kill Ahab and Jezebel. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like it's a little bit more complicated than but anyway, so so the issue, the issue, the idea that that, that yeah, and, and, and the question, you know, the the study of when the grip of the established order collapses <clears throat> is an interesting study. Mm-hmm. I think the left has studied it to try to cause it, <laughs> and some have tried to study it to try to to stop the communist left. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's been studied just as a pure issue. Of, of just what what happens with you know what what makes a um, a government of some kind stable and when mm-hmm. does it destabilize and and like I say I, I've mentioned in times past that many of the problems we're going through the travails um, they are not accidents you know we have institutions that we used to trust mm-hmm. um, you know the church the schools. You know, the, I mean, you know, 100 years ago or whatever, who would not t- t- uh, trust and honor their school teacher? Um, everything like that. But, the, but the, the attempt to infiltrate and become a parasite and corrupt all these institutions from within is a, you know, it <clears throat> is a core part of the tactic of the revolutionary left um, that has been trying to destroy things. And, and the tension between you say, what is the law? How do we, you know, all the questions that you ask it. Um, uh, what was I going to say? So, I mean, so you, you have this idea that, you know, the law is concentrated in the elite, which, of course, is not necessarily, I mean, that's one point of view. That's not necessarily the only point of view. And then you usually have this tension of the, of the, <clears throat> the, the populace trying to say, hell no. And usually doing a bad job of it, you know, like the French well, Revolution versus the, 
They're not organized. Well, and no well, one's they're, writing they're, legislation on their behalf. Uh, we're trying to fill well, both those voids. We're trying to organize yeah, and write legislation on their behalf. Well, the thing is, the thing is, is you can't. I mean, look, look if you're the king or some of the nobles, <clears throat> ideally, they you know not necessarily in reality, but ideally, they spend their life, their 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 childhood, learning how to govern their country, whereas most of the populace is completely on. You know, they just pick it up here and there, and that's, you know, the best. I know people are hardworking and, you know, and, and, and going through things, but we're not prepared to the same extent, you know, to be citizens as, you know, as our well, rulers. So, like the French could. Revolution, well, I'd say that, you know, classically, the French Revolution was known as just an orgy of um, lawlessness. Right. You know, whereas the American Revolution, I mean, those... Obviously, the French might have a different perspective. Well, I just talked about in the first hour. This is funny. Yeah, this is interesting. The American reflect. I talked about in the first hour. You know, liberté, égalité, fraternité. You know, it was a bunch exactly. of. Uh, you know, it was it was whatever they wanted. It was democracy in action. Yeah, and but, you, but you're, you're but guilty because you were accused of being guilty. There was no due process. The defenders, accused. Yeah. The de- yes, the defenders of the American Revolution, especially those who in the 80s, I guess in the 70s, and, and then he's put out the Christian Red Books. There mm-hmm. was a great deal of scholarship that I heard in my church, and it was very excellent. I learned a great deal um, mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh, of those analyzing American, America's founding and its documents from a Christian perspective. You know, they would go through the, the documents, their actions, and, you know, and trace them to um, principles in the Bible of Christian thinking that were where they're not cited to there in our documents, but they are clearly there. And they will argue that the American society, um, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not excluding Canada or Australia or whatever. I'm just saying that this is what, the, what their focus is, mm-hmm. is that the American society, because of the Bible and, and, and the, you know, the, the, the American, American society was not always, so devout, it went through several great awakenings. Mm-hmm. And usually people will say when it went through these massive revivals, these great awakenings, it was probably because they, it, it was needed so badly. You know, the, the ground was so dry, the society had <laughs> drifted off like it has today. And, and there were great awakenings in our society's history, mostly when we needed them the most, when we yeah. were not so great, you know, we're not doing so good. Mm-hmm. And um, what, Was but, the Enlightenment the, one of those? American society was hot. Highly was literate. It, uh-huh. What? Was the Enlightenment, was that one of those great awakenings? It's, uh, I got, it's one of those things I have to study in history. No, well, <laughs> I mean, not so everybody would agree with that. Okay. They would consider the, I mean, I mean, the, uh, the Enlightenment in terms of rediscovering the Bible, not just, not just following the church bureaucracy, would certainly be part of it, the, re- okay. you know, the Reformation. But, but I think people would call the Enlightenment per se, as being a humanistic, you know, oh, a, a okay, so, yeah, this is why I need to study it. Okay, it, yeah, it's just a, a discovery a gap in of yeah. principles of humanity apart from God, you know, oh, starting out, it's like, well, you know, we're not going to openly attack God, but we're just not going to mention him to reaching the point okay. where they, they believe they didn't need God to explain society and everything else like that. <clears throat> so, it's not the enlightenment, it's the separation. Anyway. <laughs> Anyway, go ahead. Back to what you're talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, in theory, the Enlightenment was, you know, could have been, 
It's just happened that many, many of the advocates for it, um, you know, a lot of what's happening today, and, you know, in our, um, you know, so whatever. I mean, what, what's the driving force between, I mean, what's the driving force of global warming? Is that there is no God superintending the earth. Mm-hmm. I mean, who, if God created the earth, he's an idiot. Um, because, you know, a few, a few lumps of coal can upset his whole, his whole yeah. creation. There is no carbon you know, cycle. There is no, there's no cycles of any kind, actually. There is no, you know, yeah. <laughs> there's no ice age, there's no hot, warm age, there's no nothing. It's just, you know. I mean, I, yeah. know, that, I know that they don't talk about it explicitly, right. but you can't get there from here unless, unless you don't believe in God. Um, That's really and interesting. Will say, oh, I, I believe never in thought God, about that. I believe in global warming. Well, anyway, right. forget all this. The, the point being that our society <laughs> was, um, was highly literate, uh-huh. highly knowledgeable about the Bible, and understood a lot, you know, a lot of these issues. So the theory is, is that when the Americans went through their revolution, they were very strongly uh, rebelling towards something, towards a principled and godly society. Okay. Whereas the Russians, the, well, the Russians and the French were simply overthrowing everything. They had no concept. The, 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 the criticism goes, like I can say, if we've got a Frenchman on here, I'm sure that they would, you know, have a completely different perspective. But, but, the, but the theory goes that, that the, the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution were simply uh, tearing down the established order. But they had no, no concept of where they were going. Ooh. And the American Revolution had a very keen sense of mm-hmm. what they were trying to build before they started to make a change. You know, I, I think oh, I see that. Yeah, that's you know, it's, it's good to hmm? go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what about French philosophers like Voltaire and Rousseau and some of those other dudes that were not in favor? I guess they were against the uh, the revolution, um, but they were still brilliant in the terms of freedom. I don't, you know, I think you'll find real concepts of freedom in the French philosophers just as much as you would in the English philosophers, but they just didn't get to practice their, well, that, their philosophy, I mean, right? How the French Revolution and the Re- Russian Revolution began and how it ended up are two very different stories. Yeah, so true. when Voltaire and some of these other people, I mean... When they started, you know, like guillotining everybody, yep. um, there was plenty of criticism to go around. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know whether they were against all, all revolution or, um, you know, I don't know that they had to. Um, I mean, I don't know if we had had our king close at hand. You know, I I I would like to think that the Americans would not have like felt it necessary to kill their king to, you know, for example, there was this Magna Carta. There was the, the, the English constitution where they came to this compromise between, okay, we'll let you, you know, we'll have a king, but his powers are strictly limited. Right. Constitutional and, monarchy. You know, I mean, but of course the Russian revolution, they had to, you know, kill their czar. Um, the French, they had to kill them. Um, you know, the Louis, the whichever it was, 14th, I guess. Um, and um, so the theory being that the, 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 the French Revolution was so horrible, the Russian Revolution mm-hmm. was so horrible because they didn't know where they were going. They mm-hmm. just wanted to burn everything down and figure it out later. Hmm. 
And of course, the Russian Revolution, if people realize, was not a communist revolution. It was a broad-based um, coalition of everybody who was aggrieved. The Russian people were treated um, like, uh, you know, like slaves. They, they were serfs, but they were basically little. They had no concept of freedom. They, the commentary is that freedom to the Russian serfs meant, you know, going, you know, just going wild and, uh, you know, you know, raping the Lord's uh, daughter and burning things down and getting drunk. And, you know, they didn't mean freedom as a principled way of living the way we would. They, they, they meant it as just, you know, running riots. Well, that's anarchy. So that, that's the difference between freedom and anarchy right there. So freedom, yes. there's a responsibility to freedom. Freedom means you are free from government telling you what you cannot do for, you know, that's just stupid for no reason. In other words, they're, they're limiting your natural rights. But anarchy is, is doing all kinds. You know, this is why anarchy is not yes. a state of freedom. Do you ever see our chart that we put on every show, the liberty chart, where we actually graph liberty? So we have on, on the bottom axis, no. the horizontal axis, we have tyranny on the left, anarchy on the right. And on the left side, we right. the vertical axis, we have freedom. Well, where's the maximum well, freedom I, I, I would at the point of liberty? You know, it's at I the mean, point of liberty. I think... Well, hold on a second. Um, so, so liberty is where any reduction in law heads towards anarchy, but any increase in law heads towards tyranny. And so there's a balance point well, where you have the fundamental. The, that's, that's yeah, but we the actually graph it. Dilemma. But we graph it, though. I mean, we, we actually show visually where it is. Yeah, that's my point. Yeah, I mean, but that's the fundamental dilemma of, of human government. Mm-hmm. You know, you know it, it, starting with the fact that, you know, God is the creator and king of the universe. But for some crazy reason, he's put us, he's left us to kind of, and, and no, no human being is better than any other, but we still have to have some kind of order, hmm. you know, somewhere between anarchy and tyranny. And, and, and uh, that's where if you had showed up at Thomas Jefferson's study mm-hmm. he w- and with all, your, with all the questions of your opening, they would have, uh, you know, I, I'm, I don't know if he had a sense of humor, but I'm, I, I say he would probably, you know, you know, order you to get out, but then he'd actually... <laughs> Invite you See, in that would be one of my, and give my favorite conversations. You know, Sherry and talk yeah. about these things for weeks. Because yeah. those, if I could go back I in mean, history, what? That's who I talked to, what? Jefferson. Yeah. Right. Well, what is? I mean, so say, what is law? What is freedom? How much liberty should you have? How much? Uh, you know, there are people out there who who are insist that the government may not require you to have a driver's license. Uh, I'm and, one of them. You know, it's, yeah, it's a, but it's a huge thing out there. So, I mean, at, at what point is the interference of, um, what, what point is the interference, are you going to love this in a minute here, at what point is the interference in people's freedom a reasonable compromise? And at what point is it not enough, like say where they've done away with cash bail and everybody's running in and stealing things from the Nordstrom's in San Francisco? And at one point, is it too much to be to be tyranny. And it's a very tough question. And that's why people say that our founders in the United States of America were geniuses because they, they first of all, they studied everything. They studied every republic, every democracy that had been in history, where it went wrong. And, and they tried to tackle those fundamental contradictions to come up with a compromise. It was the questions that, that you start out with. So for example, to cut to segue here to your bill, um, you know, at what point can the government, because they think maybe 
a crime has been committed, can they barge into your life and investigate you? And, you know, you know for example, we have, we have situations where the police get a warrant. Mm-hmm. Straight up, legitimate, everything's fine, except they go to the wrong address. Mm. Right? Okay. So they, I'm with you. They, go to, they go to implement a search warrant. They tear the whole house apart, break things, break doors, you know, leave the place a shambles, mm-hmm. and then realize that, that they are at the wrong address. Now, mm. who should pay? Says, yeah, that kind of thing is not covered. Say. Mistakes are not covered in my bill, but I, I think that, I think there are other recourses for that. I mean, there, there's things in law already if they make a mistake, or if they, what if they what if they shoot the wrong person? They go to some, and this has happened before too. They'll go to the wrong house. The homeowner has no clue what's going on. They draw a gun, and there's already a bunch of police there, wide awake with their their searchlights, and uh, they kill the the homeowner for simply trying to defend himself against what they perceived at the time to be an unknown threat. They know it's law enforcement. They might have heard you know police, but anybody can scream that. How do you know? Right. I mean, so if I were an invading person, I'd scream it, <laughs> you know, but, uh, right. but they've been killed. Many people have been killed because right. the police went to the wrong house. So at what point is it a reasonable price to pay to live in society as opposed to on a deserted island, which sounds better and well, better? Well, see, I, I, would, I would disagree with the question. You don't have to pay a price for living in a free society. The, 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 we, we, by our natural rights, by our human rights of what defines us to be human beings, Freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom to accumulate property, freedom to raise our families, freedom to uh, to travel. This is where the driver's license comes in. All these different freedoms. These are just basic, the basic definition of humanity, of individual rights. There's no compromise there because the only compromise would be what you can't do what affects somebody else's rights. So in other words, you can't take someone else's rights away of free speech. You can't take their property because there's a right to food because there is no right to food. There is a right that the government can't stop you from getting food, you know, but in other words, the government doesn't give it to you. Government doesn't give you a gun because you have the right to carry one. Government doesn't give you a computer because you have the right to free speech. So your rights are the maximum that you can exercise yourself without impinging upon the rights of somebody else. That's how I define it. But that's not a compromise. That's not a loss. That's just that we all, we all have to live you know, together either in a rural or an urban or you know, a suburban environment um, or in a cave somewhere. You know, d- depending on where you are, there's going to be a different – the closer you are to other people, the more you're going to have to be conscious of the rights of those people. But you don't right. have to, so but the government has a, no right you, to take away your freedom. To, in, other words, the, in other words, there's no greater good. There's no societal good. There's no, well, most, there's most, a very I mean, in this regard. I mean, most people would take the view that, that it, there's, a, there's a limited amount of, of um, <clears throat> compromise and all that. Um, but, but, I mean, and again, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just throwing out you the different threads of, no, fine. of, well, see, of discussion uh, that have animated yeah. – these very difficult things for for centuries, if not millennia. Um, oh, I know. And, but let's fo- um, I want to focus so on you the bill. For bill. Yep. You have a, the bill. What's it called? The, uh, it is called the investigation. You really, compl- you really? What? Go ahead. Uh, the you, investigation. You should, you should rename the bill so it somehow adds up to Gestapo or something. <laughs> um, you know, the, the, the short, the acronym. Or, or KGB. But go, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. What's, I'll, the, I'll, what's I'll do the compliance name? with a K. Yeah. The Investigation Compliance Cost Payment and Government Liability Act. That may change. Yeah. And so the idea is, I mean, so what I was going to comment is the, is the, and I don't know if you already went through this the first hour. For the, I've been through but, the whole bill, but, the, um, but that's okay. <clears throat> the, I, want, um, I want your take on it. The courts have always, along along the lines of what we just discussed. You know, people might mm-hmm. think that we're rambling and yes, I'm 
a world-class rambler, but um, <laughs> we, even had, right we even had a rambler growing up. But oh, yeah. um, I did too briefly. But it's a the, sad story. But no, all of you know the, the answers here are within the, the confines of the of the theory that we've been discussing, mm-hmm. because the courts have taken the view that we don't want to get in the way of the police doing their job. Now that mm-hmm. assumes, of course, that the police are doing their job <laughs> and they're doing yeah, it honestly exactly. and correctly. Uh huh. Um, but you know, the, but the government, you know, but but assuming the supreme goodwill and honest character and near perfection of the of law enforcement as portrayed in the black and white TV series FBI. Um, you know, as we were growing up, you know, these were the most these wonderful Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. or yeah, Dragnet or Adam Twelve, so, classic TV shows. Yeah, <laughs> didn't work that So way. the courts have always taken the position mm-hmm. that whatever they need to do to try to enforce the law is okay. Well, that's stupid. Um, so that's insane. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, one could argue well, the government one. It's the government reinforcing the government, so it makes sense. They're all in it together. So yeah, yeah I understand that. Well, Doesn't make well, it right. One could argue that. Remember the the, the state. You know, the statement is made that the courts have no army, as you said. Right. So the only thing the court has to be respected and followed is to bamboozle the people into hmm. thinking that they're fair and right, and to to make government officials happy. So one could say that the, the, the courts are trying to pursue the goal of making sure that the police can do their job. And again, this is a balance. You know, many people might say, listening to these things, they, um, you know, defunding the police and things like that has gone too far. Mm-hmm. But it, it, there is a balancing act. But anyway, so, mm-hmm. or you could say that the, um, the courts are simply sucking up to the elites in power and in government, like we talked about with the whole, the whole idea of the, the you know the, the the crown, the king, and all his advisors. Well, you know, are they simply, you know, are they actually following some kind of philosophy, or are they just trying to, you know, to kiss up to the the yeah. powers, the, the people in let power? Me, uh, let me focus in here for a bit because this bill is very specific. I mean, it's, it covers a lot of area, but these are about investigations that are specifically not about enforcing the law or, or going for conviction or, or incarceration or fines. These are about investigations that are their own end, that are done to destroy property or businesses or reputations. They are done to arrest political prisoners. A lot of January 6th in this bill. These are investigations that are done to punish people. And so the whole right. point of this is, and this is why there's two parts. This one is the is the uh, the compliance costs, and in other words, whatever costs to comply with the investigation, uh, the government pays for, because you're still innocent until proven guilty. And the second part is a prepayment. Uh, I, I haven't quite got a name for it. Either I think it came up with defense equity, but I'll, I'll work on that. That the government pays you the equivalent of everything they've paid to investigate you, so that you can defend yourself. So in other words, it doesn't mm-hmm. cost you to defend yourself against a government investigation um, until uh, you have to pay the fines, penalties, or go to jail because you're still innocent right, until but, proven guilty. But, so, I mean, so the resistance. Uh huh. I mean, for the, the resistance that we've had to that has to do with um, to several. First of all, the thing is, is are are you actually guilty? You know, you're pre, you're presupposing and 
you're presupposing in this that the person is not guilty, which is right. entirely or, possible. Or organization. And, and, and the fact. Well, see, that's, yeah, that's the presumption. They have to presume that. They can still investigate. I, 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 see, nothing in here stops investigations. Nothing in here stops due process. Uh-huh. Nothing in here stops, you know, there's no restriction uh, other than the, the ones that are already in law on the actual investigation itself. But what we're saying is in order for people, if people are investigated, they have a recourse too. They have the equal, right. in other words, we're trying to equalize the power of the federal government, which can bankrupt, destroy, you know, they can do anything they want to people, regardless of whether there's conviction or even arrest. They can destroy you before an arrest. They don't have to. They can, they can spread rumors right. about you. They can do all kinds of things and, to and you course, for political objectives. That's what this bill is really geared for. It's, it's geared right. for the Roger Stone, theory, uh, those people. There it's is a geared, concept. You know, and Trump. Mm-hmm. There is a concept that came you know, largely from economic analysis. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everything has been politicized. Everything has been corrupted. But, but traditionally, mm-hmm. economic analysis is pretty darn good because people's money is at stake. So they're not willing yeah, put, to engage. Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, so economic analysis traditionally was very common sense, brutally honest, um, truthful, because, <clears throat> you, know, people, uh, you know, people would either gain or lose money, and the people who had the correct economic analysis could profit a great deal by having the right economic analysis. So, to, you know, today it, 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 people might think economists is just as politicized as everything else, but the idea, you know, they developed the concept called moral hazard, hmm. which is, you know, for example, if you are, if the decision making, you know, if, if, if a company's actions are covered completely by insurance, right, then they have no incentive to be careful. If oh, the decision maker, right. if the decision maker has no skin in the game, you know, if they, if like, if they're playing with somebody else's money, which they typically are. Or days. bank bailout. <laughs> yeah. Bank bailout. Bank bailout is a good example. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. A, pres- a CEO who is just playing with other people's money. Uh-huh. He can do politics. You know, he, you know, Dylan Mulvaney and, and, and Bud Light. Um, <laughs> well, that's, still, that's is, not Dylan Mulvaney's the, fault. He was, he was just contracted to make No, that. no. That's, just, this is, that's absolutely true. But it's Bud's he, fault. He made out like a bandit. You know, he, yeah, he, he didn't do did anything it. wrong. I, I disagree with but him. This, I mean, he, he, me, but he didn't do anything wrong as far as, you know, but the, thing is, least, the yeah. leaders responsible, the leaders responsible for that. It wasn't mm-hmm. their money. It yeah. was the shareholders money. Well, that's like, um, that's why I don't like uh, government unions because when, when the uh-huh. government union goes to gets a contract, they're not contracted with personal money or corporate money. They're contracted with taxpayer money that we don't have a direct impact. We don't vote on, on the, on the contracts of the SIEU or the teachers. We should. If they're public contracts, yeah. then we should get a vote on them, right? But we're not. So the politicians give them money, and in return, uh, they give them really great contracts and great working conditions, better than the private sector, in return for the votes of the of the union. That's the deal. Well, that's, anyway, that's a, so there's this idea. Yeah, let's get back to the bill. This economic yeah. analysis is very powerful. Called, you know, uh, it probably goes by many names, but economists famously call it moral hazard. Um, and so, okay. with law enforcement. If if they face no consequences at all, they have at all they have no incentive to be careful. Right. And you want to say you want to say, well, I believe in the you know I back the blue. I believe in police. I believe you know that <clears throat> I think that they're really important. You know I I, I believe in Ephelis Zimbalist Jr. and mm-hmm. the FBI movies and every and TV shows and you know all that kind of stuff. 
I mean, law, I mean, law and order, the TV series went on for, you know, year after year after year. Right. Uh, eventually they, they introduced a few stories where maybe the police or the, and or the, the prosecutors got it wrong, but it was all about how they're always right and everything like that. I think in the, in real life, the police and the prosecutors, they all assume that everybody's guilty. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody's guilty of something and probably lots of things. They just haven't caught you yet. Um, <laughs> you know, as, which is the exact opposite of what you're, you're arguing. Mm. And, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, so they have this, this attitude and everything. And, and, you know, but the thing is, is any system, you know, absolute power, you know, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Anytime anybody has power without consequences, without checks, mm-hmm. it will grow. It will expand. I don't right. care if it's the most wonderful person in the world, you know, the institution you love the most, doctors, you know, whoever, if, if they have no um, consequences, then mm-hmm. they'll, it will eventually get out of control. Yeah. Well, so you have parts of the so bill here. So go ahead. Yeah. Yes. I want to get to the actual bill. Go. All right. So th- what this bill does is exactly what you said. It gives consequences to illegal actions, not legitimate investigations, not legitimate arrests, prosecutions, convictions, but illegitimate ones that are, that are what's going on now. So it's a new, proposed new law, Title 18, Chapter 205, Section 3119. So the, the last section that's currently in the U.S. Code is 3118. So this is a new section, 3119, Chapter 205 of Title 18, the criminal laws, which is compliance and other costs and government liability. That's the title of this section. A, purpose. The purpose of this section is for the government to pay all the costs of compliance, lost revenue, lost employees, lost customer market share, and goodwill, and any and all legal fees, document searches, collections, and presentations, in fact, any cost to at all to anyone, any company, any organization, any entity, uh, under any federal investigation, such as any party being investigated, suffer no loss at all during the course of and as a result of any federal investigations and all follow-up due process up to final conviction. That's what it's for. Yeah, and, and like I say, the, the attitude of the courts <clears throat> has been they have invented qualified immunity for mm-hmm. themselves and police officers and prosecutors on this the grounds that. that right? Yeah. Would this change qualified immunity? Okay. Um, I think quali- I think it, qualified Im- immunity could be broader than than this, but yes, it would it would greatly influences. But but to, the issue is is like well we want the police to be able to prosecute mm-hmm. real crime because we can't, we can't imagine that they would ever make a mistake or they would ever have any kind of bad faith. Oh no, mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're, 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 um, they're, they're saintly. So <clears throat> the, um, you know, but the, but, but that, but I mean, part, so, so the courts have traditionally gone to the other extreme Mm-hmm. And and they've typically got and, and their attitude would be, you know, but the, again, the attitude would be before you before you ruin somebody's life. Mm-hmm. Are you really, really sure? You know, it's like it's like if you, you say, OK, if, if let's say that <clears throat> the Median drug cartel mm-hmm. is using corrupt people within the post office to import, you know, to import drugs into our country or whatever. And they want to investigate it. Fine. But before you push the button, could you just 
stop a minute and say, am I just like, you know, spinning the wheel or am I actually sure, you know, pretty sure that there's something here? Mm-hmm. And there's nothing here that says they can't be wrong in their investigations. But this is, again, this gets back to like the lowest learner, prosecution of conservative groups, further, you know, more investigation of, consumer, of, of conservative groups, uh, no, no profit status uh, grant, all that kind of stuff. So this is about, this is about uh, direct kind of stuff. Let me give you the next section here, um, implementation. At the very first contact with the subject of an investigation by electronic, phone, mail, or any other method before any federal personnel make any personal contact, with any person, company, organization, or entity, a direct deposit shall be made to the main account of the subject of the investigation equal to the total amount spent on that investigation from all sources for all reasons, including any federal contractors. This amount shall be paid so that the subject of any investigation may begin compliance with and defense against the investigation without cost to them or their company or other entity. So in other words, you get paid whatever the government paid to uh, investigate you. You get that in order to defend yourself against the investigation. I'm calling that defense right. equity for now. <laughs> Do you like that? New kind of law. It is. I think, I think the problem <clears throat> with some of that is what, it, I mean, how, what do you do if in hindsight mm-hmm. they, act, you know, they actually are guilty? Well, then all bets are off if they're guilty. Another, if they get final conviction. So every one of these things has a, has a thing. It's up to final conviction. So if you're convicted, then none of this applies. Well, I mean, it's but not, then they, they'd have to get, to get the, the money back or whatever. Well, see, now that's a question. Could they, could they then, you know, get it back? In, well, that's, oh, the government could figure that out. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll create, you know, fees. They'll, they'll have compliance costs paid and all that kind of stuff. You know, so, yeah, there'll be ways out of this. But I'm, I'm not worried about that. That's their problem. You can come up All with right, a way to right. recoup their money. So I'm not, I'm not interested in that. They'll find a way to do that. But I, what I am interested in is getting people who have not been judged guilty money to defend themselves. I was just watching an ad for uh, uh, Rudy Giuliani's legal defense fund. Why should you have to have a legal defense fund if, you haven't done, if you haven't, it's not proven that you did anything wrong? So that's crazy to me. Right. If the government has all the power and all the tax revenue, they have unlimited sources of power, tax revenue, tanks, the National Guard. You know, the intimidation, the coercion, everything else that they have. Why should they, why should you not be able to have an equal stand? You know, it's the same reason that unions collectively bargain for employees because corporations had total power and employees had nothing. That's why unions were created. Well, this is kind of like a, you know, or an equivalency for people who are being investigated. You know, if if you need a private investigator, if you need a lawyer, if you need anybody to help with an, you know, because the government's going after you, you should be able to do that until you're proven guilty. Once you're proven guilty... That's different. That's a whole different thing. But until you're right. proven guilty, I mean, I do, you're innocent. I, 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 I mean, I, I, it does occur to me that um, much of the damage is from, from the assumption that merely if you're being investigated, you're, I mean, because people, people still think that if, if you've been indicted, you must be guilty. That is such... That. That's in the joke. Bill. That's in the bill. That's actually we well. That should that. be, but I think I think a lot, I think a lot of the damage is not necessarily uh, hiring an attorney, although mm-hmm. that you know that can happen. And you know, because somebody, w- when someone is formally charged, they <clears throat> they can get a public defender or a court-appointed attorney, um, which most people don't want because they mm-hmm. they don't think that they're going to be as good. But the thing is, is that in, as a principle, 
Let me put it that way. You can, you can, you know, there is the idea that people get, you paid like that. So, but, but the thing is, what I wanted to um, point out again in terms of principle is mm-hmm. let's go back, back to the Fourth Amendment. And um, it says the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures, mm-hmm. which is a very specific way of an investigation. Of course, these mm-hmm. days, the investigations. You know, it isn't like someone would have a house in Boston and all their belongings are in one house. You know, so today an investigation may be much more complicated, but it's the same thing. Uh, Against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated Mm -hmm. and no warrant shall issue, but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation Mm -hmm. and particularly describing the place to be searched and the person or things to be to be um, <clears throat> to be um, seized. Seized. Yeah. Now, every part of that, of course, has been reinterpreted by the courts to make it basically meaningless. Right. That's. that's I mean, why you, courts cannot you interpret. Could, there is no power for right. the courts to interpret the Constitution. This is why we, I, 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 strength, I stress that so so strongly with people. They don't understand that. Courts can't do that. They can't. The, the, the law was not meant to be interpreted. It was meant to be used. The Constitution was not written to be interpreted by the courts. There is no equivalent court law or court case law equivalent to the Constitution. It is subordinate to the Constitution. I've argued with a bunch of people on that. They don't get it. The, the courts don't make law. Right. And you do not need a constitutional so, amendment to overturn a Supreme Court opinion. Simple act of Congress would do it. That would, that would be good. So, <laughs> so the thing is... But the right. thing is, is like every, I got more for example, right minutes. now, yeah, right, right now, what? I got, I got a bunch more sections. I got 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I want to try and get well, okay, oh, we'll but pick it up. We'll pick I, it up I don't know week. that I can, can comment on every. I don't know that I'll be able to add anything meaningful well, to every we'll, part we'll of it. Let's pick it up next week. Think, yeah, it might change well, next week. Well, but yeah. Uh huh. Okay, but, 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 let me talk to you again about the Fourth Amendment. Right now, there is, there are January uh, six cases. Mm-hmm. Where Roger Roots, in particular, has has challenged uh, under the Fourth Amendment these overly sweeping, you know, these dragnet searches like of people's telephones, mm-hmm. and and <clears throat> there is an argument right now that the government is violating this Fourth Amendment. Uh, mm-hmm. Larry Klayman had similar things about searching people's social media and email and and their phones and things like that. And he, he won a great victory, and then Congress immediately changed the law to, to, to pretend to care, but actually blunt the whole thing. Right. So, I mean, this is a live debate even now, where oh, the yeah, idea that if you, if you search geolocation, you know, the location of cell phones by GPS, uh-huh. all over, Cong- all of, you know, of course, bear in mind, when it comes to, the, to November 2020, Cell phone GPS location is not reliable. It's got a big margin of error. You know, you can't, you can't prove that the election was overwhelmingly stolen like in 2000 mules. But if you use mm-hmm. the exact same technology on January 6th, <laughs> magically, <laughs> magically, it's, it's perfect. Oh, my God. You know, like the, you know, how could you question it? The, uh, yeah. You know, the, the, you can tell down to the inch where you can tell whether somebody was on one side of the wall outside the Capitol or on the other side of the wall inside the Capitol. 
Um, I mean, it's just the most amazing technology ever, as long as it doesn't prove, as, as long as you're not allowed to prove that the election was stolen, which it was. Um, and, um, you know, the, um, the uh, uh, so, what, so what they did was, is that they searched all phones indiscriminately. Now, that would include members of Congress, journalists, staff, police officers, people who did no wrong. And this says it has to be based upon oath or affirmation. Well, that's a joke. You get some, some FBI agent who knows absolutely nothing, like he's talked to somebody who talked to somebody who talked to somebody who talked to somebody who heard it in their, you know, in their butcher's uh, place, whatever, and they write it up as an affidavit. And it's not an it's not an oath or affirmation because it's a joke. And and they've made probable cause into a joke um, and and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. They've mm -hmm. turned that. I mean, that we're trying to get that to the Supreme Court right now, although I don't have enough time to do everything. So, I mean, all these, you know, basically a, a good deal of what you are proposing, mm -hmm. you know, could could be grounded in the Fourth Amendment. And a it resurgence. Well, I went over that in the first hour. If you get a chance to listen to the first hour on the podcast, uh, I cover the Fourth and the Fifth Amendment are directly related to this. Let me give you a couple more things here that you might find interesting. Uh, there's a section, Section F, personal liability. Uh, and there's like a bunch of sections within this. Anyone or any entity subject to any federal investigation may bring a lawsuit to any government person, department agency, or any other division of government if it appears that the purpose of the investigation is not to prosecute the <clears> victim <throat> bring about fines and incarceration, but for some other objective. This would include to punish the subject of the investigation by taking their funds, destroying their business, driving away the customers, or by threatening excessive penalties for minor infractions of law or paperwork violations. That's personal liability. Section one, political investigation. So here we go. If the subject of the federal investigation determines that the investigation is solely for a political purpose, not related to any genuine violation of law, then all government personnel and divisions of government involved shall be personally and organizationally liable to the subject of the investigation. So that's how we cover a lot of the, uh, the Trump things and stuff like that. Um, the next one is political incarceration. This is for the January 6th prisoners. Number two. Anyone held in custody beyond the constitutional requirement for a speedy trial by a jury of one's peers, they shall have the legal recourse to sue their captors, jailers, and any government personnel that had any part in their extended incarceration, especially if, this, if subject to cruel, unusual, or even differential treatment than is customary or in practice for the crimes charged. That's right uh -huh. on the PCB log. Yeah. Uh, there's another one that you're going to love. I mean, one, number three. Go ahead. I was just going to say quickly, it's one of the problems with, um, you know, is, for example, the um, equal treatment under the law. Mm -hmm. Again, yeah. there's, there's no teeth to it whatsoever. Yeah, it's completely ignored, yep. and, the, and there are no, there are no, uh, there are mm -hmm. no consequences. Well, this so is, we go this in there taking, to court. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm saying people wonder, like, the, the January 6th lawyers, defense lawyers, they go in there and we make it, you know, they wonder, why don't you make this argument? We're making these arguments. Yep. And that, you know, and, and you care. look at, oh, their mind glaze, their, their eyes glaze over and they're like, so what? So you, you treated them, you treated them um, um, improperly, you know, mm -hmm. or in discriminated against conservatives. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, it means, so it, 
I mean, it's in the Constitution, but it's just not taken seriously. Yeah. Well, this is this hopefully will give teeth to the Constitution because they don't take it seriously. But again, this is going to have as much use in the 2024 campaign and in the national debate as it will actually being passed into law. Although I certainly want it passed into law. Number three, withholding of exculpatory evidence. Any Department of Justice official, officer, agent, investigator, lawyer, prosecutor, any judge in any proceeding, any person involved in any way with any part of the process from investigation to conviction who knowingly withholds anything that would exonerate or help the defense of anyone or any entity under investigation, arrest, custody, or trial, they can be held liable in a lawsuit by any victim of such withholding. How's that? Mm -hmm. That's good. I mean, the requirement to provide exculpatory information and and, and is being rampantly violated. It Mm -hmm. does clearly exist and it is clearly being, you know, uh, ignored. And having a civil right, right. Yeah. Having a civil right of action would be a good, a good step. It should also, um, it should also have um, definitions of like because they what they, what they do is they they redefine what exculpatory means and they redefine a whole bunch of things and and then well, of course there's it. no it's here right, anything that good. would exonerate or help the defense of anyone or any entity under investigation et cetera et cetera they can be held liable in a lawsuit so if it can help you if it would exonerate you or you know then it's a, then it's exculpatory that should right. be pretty simple to understand uh, here's another one coercion number four. Any federal officer, agent, lawyer, or other government employee who pressures or threatens anyone under investigation, prosecution, or trial up through final conviction for the purpose of having that person admit guilt for a crime they have not committed, especially to avoid being charged with a more severe crime they have not committed, may be held personally liable by the subject of the coercion. This part shall not apply uh, or affect uh, plea bargains for crimes that have been committed. So in other words, we're not going after the real crimes. If you commit a crime, you're plea bargaining. That's that's up to you. But if you're being coerced to admit to a crime, so you don't get charged with another crime, especially if you didn't do either one, you should be able to sue for that because that's not yeah, that's not legitimate that, due process. You like that one? I like it a lot. Yeah, I think because that happens a great deal. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, well, obviously, you. where that <laughs> you got to realize where everything that happened, you said the last two years has gone into this bill. Ever since oh, January okay. 6th. But a yeah. lot, I mean, a lot of that has to uh-huh. do with, um, a lot of that, um, uh, it, it, you know, that's why they'll, they'll charge people with, you know, 90 crimes to get right. them to admit to one of which uh-huh. they did none of them. Yeah. In other words, cop to trespassing yeah. instead of seditious conspiracy. That's the, uh, uh, that's the example I used. Right. Right. Here's another one. Here's another diff. This one's going to be interesting. Number five, media. Any media personnel and any media organizations who and which are involved in recording or broadcasting the arrest or any other legal action in public of any person or entity subject to a federal investigation for the purpose of maximizing the political impact of the government action for propaganda or other purposes unrelated to journalism and investigative reporting by working in conjunction or cooperation with any person or part of any federal government operation, they shall be liable to the subject of the public federal government action. Yeah. I mean, so that's Frank, CNN, like that's where they CNN talk, and Roger Stone. Yeah. Was an when, Jack, when Jack Smith goes out and talks about the indictment, uh-huh. um, like with Trump or, or Merrick Garland does, 
That should be entirely prohibited. They should zip their damn lip. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there, there's no there's no legitimate reason and nothing they could say that is not an abuse. I mean, they well, they, 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 they claim. Yeah. Yeah, and it, uh, since Mel's I mean, they should make no trial. comment whatsoever. Right. They should okay. make no comment whatsoever. I mean, because they take the position that they're just letting the public know that there was an indictment. Why? And and what any anything that they say, I mean, if they issued the indictment as a press release, that would be probably too abusive. Because again, right. if people assume that that means the person did it, mm-hmm. and their life is ruined for like yep. years before the um, before they get to that point. But 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 the thing is, the, 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 any any excuse is. You know, I, I I don't see any I don't see how it could possibly be done correctly. Okay. Um, so I need a section on that. If you could just write a you know, I'll just add it in here. Another section would be great. Uh, this is why I yeah. want you to take a look at this. And I wanna say I'd like to get this into the Trump campaign this week, but it doesn't have to be. I wanna get in before Congress meets next week. If we can. If not, then uh, quality over over rapidity, I always say. But okay. the reason for the, the media one is I want to make it really clear that this is, this, is not, this is not affecting the First Amendment. This is not affecting a free press. I specifically say, if you're doing journalism or an investigative reporting, which investigative reporting comes under it, but I want to specifically say that, um, it's only if you're working in conjunction with the government for a political purpose, then you can be sued. Because now you're going beyond journalism and investigative reporting. You're actually well, involved. You're a state actor, is what I'm saying. What's happening, what's happening with the January 6th defendants and the Trump, and I'm watching the time, is the government will go out there and massively mm-hmm. pollute society against the people. Mm-hmm. And then when the defendant tries to set the record straight, oh, you can't do that. You're violating the protective order. You're, you're muddying. The, you're yeah, you're trying it. to try the case in public after, yeah. after the, the government has already. Like the select committee was the trial. You know, th- th- these people were already tried and convicted in public. The only thing that the actual courts are going to be asked to do is impose the sentence. Yeah. Is my, probably, my so anyway, yeah. Yeah. We should probably have a section on campaigns and elections too, if you want to write that part, or I might do that one. Here's just, just right. a couple more. The last part of this one, and then I'll get to restitution. Uh, number six, conspiracy against rights. Title 18, sections 241 and 242, conspiracy against rights and conspiracy against rights under color of law shall apply fully to this chapter and section and can be used in any lawsuit under the part. My two favorite uh, parts of Title 18. You know the part where it says uh, any two people that uh, um, deny the uh, enjoyment, the exercise or enjoyment of any constitutional right. So that's this is the section that actually in, include. You talked about the Fourth Amendment, the Fifth Amendment, the Fourteenth Amendment. All that would be included in Title 18, Section 241, conspiracy against rights, because the rights are as defined by the Constitution. So that actually brings the Constitution directly into this bill. Here's the last part in our two minutes. Restitution, part G. Any person, business, group, club, organization, or any other entity that was damaged, lost, or destroyed because of a federal investigation shall have the right and ability to sue the officials, officers, and agents involved personally and to sue the agencies, departments, or government entities involved to fully restore all income, property, businesses in operating condition and the total restoration of any other entity where in all cases there has not been a final conviction. 
So there you go. Yeah. So anybody, yeah, go ahead. No, good. That's it. <laughs> so far. All right. I mean, we might add more to it, but well, that's where I mean, we stand so far. I mean, you know, obviously you've got to get the right balance, but, uh, but mm-hmm. right now we don't have a balance. No, but and again, anything, read the introduction. I mean, I've read the introduction the first hour. I've gone over the whole bill now twice. Listen the first hour if you can. Take a look at the bill. And anything that you think needs changing, just let me know. You can make, actually, the best All thing right, would be to make a comment right on the bill itself. That way we have it for the legislative record. Okay. But I changed it this, I changed it this morning. And uh, well, Dorothy's not here yet. As soon as she calls in, I'll let you know. Uh, but we've got a little oh, okay. time. If you, if you have a, 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 a closing argument to our, our bill here, Counselor. Um, well, I'm trying to think if I want to fit something else in or something that accomplishes both. Let me get, well, give an example. Well, as soon as she starts, she calls in. <laughs> going to call in any minute. I, mean, I know. I, I can tell. I, just, I feel it. She's calling in now? No, but she will be. Okay, but I'm saying that, that so, so a lawyer in Florida sued to keep Trump off the, off the ballot. Right. Because he's an insurrectionist. Although I just saved, like, you know, if you go back to old dictionary definitions of insurrectionist. Mm-hmm. Now, interestingly, yep, the, um, the federal <laughs> yeah, yeah. court threw it out for lack of standing. Not, mm-hmm. not on the grounds that it hasn't been proven yet or, or these other things. But just, you know, but, but it's an example of the damage is done. You right. know, just getting, getting the, you know, the message out there that he can't, you know, he's not qualified to be on the ballot when not, none of that has ever been proven. And it's a little bit of a news item and also, I think, an example of what you're talking about. Well, I want to try and make the principles as general as possible so that it would also help any future administration. So I'm not trying to, mm-hmm. to bail out Trump here, but what I'm really trying to do is, is to say that those things that the federal government does, and, and I'm focusing on investigations. I'm not talking so much about trials, prosecutions, things like that. We already have due process for that. But just the investigation itself, that is not for the purpose of a trial and conviction. Uh, we need to stop that. And that's what's going on right now. Anyway, right. let's pick it up next week. Tell me what you think of the bill. All right, thanks. Let's talk off the air, and uh, let's, let's, uh, let's get this to uh, Congress. And I'll probably put out a press release on it when it's ready to go. And I want to send it to uh, our, our, our friend in the Trump administration, Christina Bob, and let's see what happens. All right. Okay. Talk later then. Well, thank you for your help. I appreciate it. I really do. And, of course, we'll have more to do off the air. All right, let's get to, uh, to Diana, who is uh, rarely gets into politics, but I think has a couple of comments on this bill and actually helped me uh, with uh, some of the wording of it and grammar. So uh, this is a real group effort, and I'm, I really appreciate everybody in Action Radio. It's like everybody's getting into it now. This is so cool. We're like one big happy activist family. All right, here we go. Sex. Everybody talks about it. Some of you are even doing it. But are you really talking to the person you are doing it with? It all comes down to communication. That's where Dorothy Diana comes in. Dorothy is a sexual health nurse educator. She has studied hypnotherapy, Reiki, and many other disciplines. And what is sex without sensuality? Something has to light your afterburner. Join us now for a sometimes very frank and occasionally quite descriptive conversation of sex and sensuality with Dorothy Diana. Who just reminded me that uh, even though she has two first names, I have to use the right one first. (laughs) Right, Dorothy? (laughs) People do that to me all the time. It's okay. I I was just teasing you, poking you. 
Oh, that's fine. You can do that. Listen, uh, like I say, we're all one big happy family here. It's interesting, too, that the, the movie stars, you know, one of the ways they made the movie stars as acceptable as possible without last names with, you know, ethnic connections. Uh, they gave everybody uh, two right. first names. Jimmy Stewart, James Stewart, John Wayne, uh, some of the other folks. They all had first, uh, they all had two first names. It's kind of funny. Well, this is my married name, and uh, they, did, they did Americanize it, so it was my... It's my husband's last name, and it was Wisdom? D.I. I've never heard that. Is that a word, Wisdom? <laughs> husband. That's a nice way of, wasband. I don't like X. It feels like, it feels like murder, or I don't know, something really yeah, negative. So um, although I've, ha- I've had those feelings about him, um, I've, I've done, <laughs> I've done work to get past him. Yeah. But Wisdom, yeah, so that was his last name, and mine was, um, was Hungarian and very difficult cult to pronounce. So I kept this one. I had it for so long, but they had huh. Americanized it. They had, it was of, of the family Anna, I guess. And it had an apostrophe and they took that out and they don't even pronounce it correctly. Where's mm-hmm. it from? Did you say Hungarian? This was Italian. This is Italian. Oh, Italian. Diana is Italian, but right. my maiden like name was Vorzhnyai. 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 I love it. <laughs> you should go by that. Just to just, just have people try and pronounce it. That'd be funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, having you know, I was in public school in Tennessee for quite a while, so oh, yeah. you know, I don't. I've had that experience. It's not really fun. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure Penglos was Pengalopoulos at one point, or some other greatly long elongated Greek name. That's kind of yeah. how that works out. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's cool. Anyway, so uh, in the rare times, because I know I don't politics with you, because we have so much to talk about with sex and sensuality. Um, this particular bill is is catching on. First of all, thank you for helping me with it. I do appreciate it. Well, you're, 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 you're guilty now with the rest of us. Freak. You're now a citizen legislator, so uh, you're, you're so involved. I didn't you're, actually, I didn't actually pay too much attention to the content. I, I tend to, because I'm so used to editing my kids' papers, um, and, and also we homeschooled, so they're very free. I don't really examine it. I feel like what they turn in is their work. But I edit it for grammar, so I really just looked at grammar. I didn't really legal talk doesn't it does it's like a foreign language so i can't okay, comment I too much you. on it all i will say <laughs> but, is i'm very yeah. proud of you because i thought it well, was very you. well written i've never even bill i mean the fact that you know the format and and i and i got the gist of it and i understood no, I it which i think that's my well, own format i got the I gist of it format. and i understood yeah. it and i felt yeah. like um it made logical sense and it got me a little even riled up. Sorry, you're hearing a beep. I'm warming my coffee. But um, it got me even a little like that riled up feeling of, yeah, that's right. Why are we like the money being spent? But I don't want to spend too much time because I did. I went with your topic today. I had uh-huh. one, but um, okay. and I and I love it. But but I liked yours also. And I said, and I'm working on surrender as a spiritual goal for myself. I'm surrendering. Ooh. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Greg's topic. Maybe maybe that's the one that Divine Consciousness well, wants me to do. Yeah, and I found so, it. So just to make sure you're, you're not in labor, right? Because Jonathan was uh, congratulating his mother for being in labor. That was her Labor Day, so Aww. that was his Labor Day celebration. So yeah, it was he? So he mentioned mom. That's that was kind of cute. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah I did. Yeah. I, I had a lot of experience with labor, both natural and medicalized. So I, okay. I love that. that. I'm going to honor myself today. <laughs> yep. Yep. So think about labor. Uh, think about the labors that people go through and. Uh, you know, yeah, the sacrifices and everything else. So, yeah. So, so Labor Day, I, I do most holidays. The only two I don't are Thanksgiving and Christmas because everybody's doing something else, you know, and so that makes sense. And nobody's listening anyway. Well, um, you know what? Labor mm-hmm. Day, I, I was just watching, and I've researched a lot about happiness and intrinsic motivation because it's a, another topic. It's blind, but I, 
Um, it's interesting that working hard actually, you know, you probably know this is one of the components of happiness. It's not, it's not rest. I mean, there should be some rest and family time, but working hard actually keeps people younger much longer. Yeah, I think what the problem yep. is is the amount of taxation and unfairness and um, mm-hmm. working in jobs that do not feel like you're contributing something meaningful. Well, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say accomplishment, hard work without accomplishment is empty. You know, it's like sex without right. a relationship. It's empty. I mean, it's still there, but it's empty. Um, but uh, mm-hmm. work without accomplishment. So in other words, if you're working, you can be very good at something that is absolutely meaningless that just pays your bills. That's not going to that's not going to make you feel good. You know, the work here no. doesn't pay a lot yet. It will. You know, when I have my jet and I come get take you flying, then we're no, you know, but it's still going still to be the same work. It's, you know, it's just that it would be a lot more uh, notice and sponsorship and things like that. And we'll be making a huge impact. But the, the reward really is in exactly what uh, what happened this weekend. I love writing these bills. And, I, you know, just through trial and error, develop the format. And the fact that, that you said, and thank you very much for this, that as a non-lawyer, it made sense. It was logical. Those, that's exactly what I was trying to do. These are not written for lawyers. Lawyers can have their, they have their own language, and I don't, I don't care to do that. These are, this is, you know, if we're a government of the people, by the people, and for the people, then the people have to understand how the government works and how the laws work. Otherwise, it doesn't make any sense. If laws are so confusing that we don't have access to them, then we're not a government of the people. We're a government of the lawyers, and that's not good. So that's why these bills are as direct and straightforward and short and easily understandable as they are just for those reasons. Mm. Well, wonderful. So um, I'm proud of you, let's get to this. Let's get to this topic because yeah. it was fun to research and it was fun to, to mm-hmm. touch base. And um, actually I bounced it off of a couple of people I knew who had mm. um, workplace romances. One, one couple is married and they continued and went off on mm-hmm. their own and developed their own business that they work really? very hard at and have a lot of fun with. Um, yeah, and they're super high vibrational and um, very well matched energetically. But this uh-huh. is what I want to start by saying. So most people agree when looking at interviews on this that workplace romance is just fine. They agree that it should be okay. They don't necessarily disagree. They don't necessarily agree with when a company makes rules that there are no workplace romances. So most people are in support of this. That being said, obviously there are steps you can take or that or you can miss that can have effects on how well it goes yeah and um right there there are risks involved like any relationship and so it's so it's above the regular well here's the dilemma i see real quickly and, and i'm sure this will play into what you're talking about we spend so much time at work it's a natural place to meet people but you still have to work and there's still work conditions. The company still has to do their thing. But because, of, because you're, you're with people who are doing what you, you know, a lot of times the same job or within similar departments, how can you not meet at work? So that, but the dilemma is, so the you know, great one, kinds, agree. yeah, go ahead. What you're uh-huh. saying, what you're saying is it's a great place to, I think what you're saying is to get to know someone who has similar interests, right? It seems like an obvious, it's a no brainer. You know, you're yeah. working with someone who probably lives I mean, I, there's a lot of assumptions, but they're more likely to live in close proximity to you if they're at the same, mm-hmm. you know, um, brick and mortar workplace. And right. proximity is an indicator, you know, is a predictor for relationship success. So mm-hmm. the further away you live from somebody, the less likely it's going to last. We, we and, should put that um, on a chart, like a mileage chart. So we'll, we'll, we'll graph probability of success and distance from uh, each other. <laughs> be, yeah, because you can't really... 
you can't really get to know somebody authentically like and see how they are day to day if you're only seeing each other twice a week or once yeah. a week or once every few, you know. So, so that's a little off topic. But if you work with someone, you, you actually see them and you probably see them authentically. There's only so long someone can be in an environment mm-hmm. and put on the show all the time, like the, the mask. So you'll see temper issues. You'll see control issues. You'll see um, – flirtation or sexual addiction issues, all of the red flags that can, I'm just going to say the word should, even though I don't love it, it's shaming a little, but um, <laughs> that we should be noticing early on that we're wise to notice red flags. And if we don't, there's another reason for that. But um, all those red flags will be noticeable in, if you work with somebody on the regular basis. That is a huge benefit mm-hmm. that, um, that you really see the person and how they interact with others and how they handle conflicts. Um, and awkward situations? Do they have a sense of humor about things? Um, you know, do they have a hard time letting things go? So on and on and on. That, that's a huge benefit and that they live close to you. And mm-hmm. also, because similar of the intellect, office Similar stuff, uh, income. There's a lot of similarities, especially uh, unless you have like the boss dating, you know, the, the entry-level person, which is a problem. We're going to get to that. Yeah, we'll okay. get to that. <laughs> yeah, the whole harassment yeah. thing is in there too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, but, you know, so, two coworkers, that, so like you, similar age, hmm? similar job, similar responsibility, so like similar said, income. Yeah, right. I mean, it's a natural. Frequently, there's a similar educational background. Frequently. Right. Frequently, right. there's a similar, you know how old someone is, you know how old they vibe, which can be two different things, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Look at me. <laughs> and <laughs> and also, like, yeah. you'll, you'll uh-huh. know their fitness. Like, in a, okay, I just can go on about what you'll know, but you'll know everything. And also, there, um. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh, no, my brain friends. just went on. Some I had something friends, you said. They're, they're coworker friends too. You know who they associate with? Because you're all in the same company. Well, I was going to say you'll know compatibility before chemistry usually, which for me, What's from what I've researched, is hugely important. So you'll have pre- so the shared passion and interest, especially if you're put on a project together, can uh-huh. really and you have to work together towards something you know, mm-hmm. else accomplishment. And that can, is that accomplishment again. That is, yeah. you'll see how compatible you are and that uh-huh. will come before chemistry. So that before the sparks before <sighs> usually, and that that's really good for relationship longevity, right? You Interesting. To find out if you're compatible first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Huh. So compatible to do in dating. Mm-hmm. Can we, because dating, everybody's on their, they've got their best face on, they're, they're doing their best. It's not a natural situation. This is much not more a natural organic. situation, and you have to yeah. ask specific questions. You know, I advise women, there's a whole list of questions that to organically weave in, um, don't have sex before five dates or five weeks, and before you do, because we get very emotionally attached, there's, there's a whole slew of questions, things you want to find out, so you avoid I would say that for men too, by the way. Yeah, men think they shouldn't think, wait because yeah. they're conquering beasts. But, you know, guys, you know, take some time. <laughs> you have much, it's better yeah, for the guys. Yeah, I don't, too. I I don't know. Guys, guys have a different way. With, guys respond mm. to sexuality different. So, Not as different um, as you I, think. I, I don't give uh, the same uh, advice to guys, most guys. We'll, we'll talk, I, yeah, know, that's, that's a, a whole topic, too. Yeah, yeah. I there's think guys aren't as... Yeah, guys aren't as tough as they think they are uh, as far as, you know, unemotional sex. We'll right. talk about that later. Let's well, get back to well we don't this, want this anyone to early attach. So if you know that you early attach sex through sex, then you need to wait. If you know yeah. that you don't, which a lot of women lie to themselves, but a lot of men don't early attach through sex. So mm. they, they, they might get attached in other ways, which I'm not. I don't want to go into right now. But, nope. um, okay, so. Back to work. <laughs> back to work. <laughs> 
So um, <laughs> we talked about proximity, compatibility, mm-hmm. how mm-hmm. The, the red flags coming out of the gossip water cooler, income, income equality, not that that needs to happen in a polar relationship, but you know, you kind of already know, you know, what your what your what the person you know brings home. <laughs> that that's right. a huge practical factor. Like, would you be able to travel? Will you be able to? And if they're showing up in a very shiny sports car, and you know they make you know eighty thousand a year, and you know you want to buy a house, you, you know what I'm saying? Like things like that yeah. will come up. Like you can see those kind of for foods. six figures, six figure incomes aren't that uh, rare these days, depending on what people are doing, especially in high tech. You know, so there's some, there's some pretty decent incomes out there. Well, I remember I had a boyfriend in college, and he was such a high-quality man. I mean, to this day, I just have such respect for his emotional connection, intelligence, mm-hmm. um, all the things. And um, But I will say, even at age 22 or however old I was, it was a red flag for me. I knew that his mother ran a preschool, and he right. was a single product. He, was, he had a single mom. And um, I know he didn't work. He was on loans for school, and he drove a big, beautiful, shiny new truck. And so, you know, in the course of dating him, I remember just noticing and, and being curious, like, that that was a red flag for me. I was like, I know this guy. I mean, I knew him well enough to know how much money he had available and that he was on student mm-hmm. loans. So I thought, well, this, this guy feels that driving a shiny truck is more important than being financially smart. So anyway, paying a student loan. Yeah, that's <laughs> well, he's also dependent on mommy, and that's a bad. That's a huge red flag for anybody. Well, he was in college. We were in undergrad. Hey, listen, I, I, I paid my way through college. I, I actually, on my <laughs> by sophomore year, I was. I mean, I had. Uh, I was like subsidized first year, but by by sophomore, I actually ran a. Uh, you're not going to believe this. A, a, a lawn mowing and airplane washing business in the summertime. And there with a friend of mine, we had a good living, a really good living. Uh, it's, it's kind of, and we're outside and healthy. It was great. It's fabulous for about two years. And then the, uh, the Arab oil embargo kind of uh, knocked us out of business. I had to take a regular job. But, uh, yeah, no, it was, it was fun. But I was paying so uh, I always you know, tuition, room, college. and board. Yep. I worked through college. Yeah, I worked too. through college. I did get loans, but I worked and I was not living at home and I, and I didn't get any financial support from family. Yep. And so yep. not Me that too. one way is better than the other, but there is something to be said for someone who goes through that. It, I mean, obviously it really matures. You well, it's a different so, value system. Anyway. Yeah. It's valuing mm-hmm. your own personal accomplishments. I'd rather have less and know that I earned it and it's mine. Then have stuff given to me. I don't do, and so the opposite effect is I don't ask for help when I probably should. So that's the opposite effect. But that's that's another story too. Okay, so here's yes. some negatives about romance, which <laughs> I believe that that you probably put together already. But just for the sake of the show, um, sure. so if if they're higher up, if there is a power indifference, if there's a power imbalance, this is something that's fraught mm-hmm. with with probable issues. So well, let's do men and women and women and men. Let's, let's, let's look, look at the, cause I wonder if there are different uh, power um, things. If, if a man has the, uh, the higher position in the company and he's dating a woman who's further down the company, as opposed to a woman who's higher up in the company dating a man who's far further down the company, are there differences? Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, I was going to touch on just the general power. So meaning, okay, we'll start if there. you are, if you are, um, if you are, if you're dating someone who has a position higher up than you, you, mm-hmm. you know, it's important to consider what it looks like to peers and what could happen as you get a raise or get a promotion. You know, that, that, um, 
that can look unethical, right? So a lot of people might think it's only because you're dating them, right? And that's fair enough. You know, I will say that my father, my father dated uh, the concert mistress who was 24. Now we had a Russian concert master. This was back in Knoxville Symphony in the 80s. And he had gotten the job after the previous conductor had had an affair that was public. And so they were just desperate for... No, no sexuality of any kind in Knoxville, Tennessee, much less a scandal. No sexuality so with my father. No sex period. Sex bad, but that was Tennessee's the message at that time. But oh. um, you know, Catholic school in Knoxville, Tennessee. But um, <laughs> so he, they hired him, and within a year, he was sleeping with a young woman in the symphony, and um, very public oh, about it. And he promoted her to concert mistress. So there was a wonderful Russian concert master. And, um, and this is gossip, but it's my own family, and I love my father, and he's just, he loved the ladies, and that's how he was. Wonderful person. <laughs> Eight languages. I mean, wonderful guy, okay. but he likes ladies. Yeah. So anyway, One of them was Russian, and my mother right? didn't know how to handle him. Well, he was oh, Hungarian. Yeah, oh, yeah Rozhnyai. Yeah. So, um, okay. And a man of so many talents and so many gifts. I mean, I can't even tell you how much he gave back to the world, but he liked the ladies. So he had an affair with uh, um, the 24-year-old concert woman in the orchestra how old was and promoted he? her to can I ask he how was old he was? Something. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. That's, that's yeah. hysterical. Yeah, yeah. No, he had a European diet, so all the parts were working, I'm sure, and fabulous <laughs> personality. So, um, so now we can post this in the holistic. Now I just gave enough little bump to wellness, right? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what, what I was going to say is he, he then promoted her. This goes back to our topic, and he demoted a excellent older Russian violinist. Uh-oh. Who, um, right? It was a very bad choice. But this is what yep. happens in the workplace. So now we have scandal in the sense. Now we have disruption. Now everyone knows. People are grumbling. And it, we had a very unified. They had a very unified environment, and this really began to kick off a real um, disruption in in the in the feeling of community. Uh, that the orchestra had. He had done a beautiful job in, in publicizing the symphony. He was failing, and he came in and turned it around, and, and like it was very like popular. All the seats were filled. But I, so it, so that choice. Life is complicated. Right, to, there's, there's no well, absolute the good or bad to, usually. Yeah, yeah. In the workplace, to accept a position, or or even enter a relationship with somebody who's your superior, is probably a bad idea. I don't know when right. it would ever actually be a good idea. Um, and that has to be considered. And if you just can't resist and it's perfect, one or one or one of you might want to take a position at another company. And if and if um, and you know if you really want if the relationship is worth it, um, because if there's just too many um, too many negatives that can happen, and you know he can get the one who's above you can get in trouble, a lot of trouble. And that leads me to the next point. Discuss what happens if, if the relationship fails before you enter the relationship. When, when things are brewing and you both feel that you can't resist this any longer and there's all these strong feelings, you must discuss what you will do professionally if the relationship doesn't work out, how you're going to handle it, right. and discuss it right. in detail. Mm-hmm. You need the escape clause before you even start the contract. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> I think that's really wise in the workplace and it takes a lot of maturity and it comes back to our discussion, Greg, about communication and how really yep. success in relationships comes down to that every single time. Yeah. yeah. It right? really does. Uh, yeah, well, I agree with you. Absolutely. Um, this is why I love having you on and your insights are, are fabulous. Um, I think work though is, is complicated. And the reason I asked the question of men versus women, let's, let's reverse the situation. Let's say that uh, mm. a 64 year old woman had, a, had an affair with the, the 24 year old, 
you know, first uh, trumpet in the orchestra. Uh, and that and sexual she, compatibility is real. So those two ages frequently, okay. especially let's say she's 60, I'm going to go with 60. That's a great sexual compatibility. So that's, that's a very real thing that happens a lot. I have male friends who, who are like, who always like younger women, not all of right. them. They just don't believe it when I say, they don't believe it when I say, Oh my goodness. The amount of times older women like that gets with a younger man. Um, for very good reasons. Is we need a to lot. do a cougar show. <laughs> I don't know what the cougar definition is, where, where it starts, but uh, yeah. Well, well there's actually I mean, that. So you're saying what happens yeah. if, if, how is the power? It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Now, okay. especially with, with, you know, the push for feminism and equality, and we have so many women promoted intentionally to make it equal. Um, right. You know, I, I, it's the same. So you're going to have the jealousy. I mean, I, I feel because of inherent masculinity, the peers of the younger male might be a little more cheering on versus jealous, honestly. Yeah, you got I, the I boss. Dude, I love women. Stud. Yeah, this is great. Yeah, yeah I fun. love women. So I think I feel like it would be a little easier for everyone to handle, honestly. But she really risks um, a lot of gossip. And, 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 you know, the world is still not – they're not going to treat men and women equal. So, so she is going to – That's gonna, why I um, asked. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is different, yeah. But either okay. way, the power differentiation is something to very much avoid unless you're willing to change. So it's, it's, not the age, it's not the age differentiation. So if you had a, if no. you had a 60-year-old woman and a, and a 25-year-old guy, same department, same job, you know, that's, they have an age difference. That's going to affect their relationship, but it may not affect their work if they're at the same position. So it's going to affect their relationship, and this is why. Um, okay. Usually, the, usually, and again, these are all broad strokes, usually the older one has their life more together. They usually already had a family, already gone through that. Um, right. Maybe the kids are older, about to leave. The younger one either hasn't started their family yet, wants kids, or the kids are super young at home, very different lifestyles. The older one usually will have more financial stability. They've saved for longer. They may have an extra home. They have just lifestyle differences. And they already raised the kids. The older, yeah, like I said, I've already raised my frequently, daughter. So, yeah. You know, like, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The risk yeah. of that turning into a, into a parentification relationship is pretty high unless there's maturity exceptions with, with both of them, which is possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, it works mm. sometimes, but there's a, lot, yeah. there's a lot of risks involved with that. But anyway, yeah. Yeah, so the, huh. for the workplace, the age doesn't matter as much as the, as the position they're in. Okay. Um, okay. Also, conflict of interest. So let's say that, hmm. um, you know, you're really into your coworker and you're dating them. And there's a team project, and your coworker isn't does not have strengths in this, and is like failing this. I mean, your relationship person, your your partner, mm -hmm. your new date. You know, do you support the team or do you support your partner? Like, there's a lot of situations where you may have to put the workplace, the best interest of your coworkers, and the project you're on above above your well, partner. Well, it causes a lot of friction. Yeah. Hmm? Well, I'm just saying, it, it causes judgment. Your judgment. You, yeah. Yeah. Any relationship is going to change you and affect you. And if it's a relationship with someone at work, it's going to change work. I don't think you can avoid yeah. that because it's human nature. So the question is, is it going to change work so much that it's a problem? Or is it, is it a perfectly, is it a relationship and work compatible situation? But there is going to be change. And this comes down, you're right. And it comes down to maturity and it comes down to okay. balance. So if okay. you're somebody who hasn't done your healing work and you early attach to people and you're just mm -hmm. a love addict, yeah, this is not a good choice to make. Do not date in your workplace. Do your healing work done outside of the workplace because you will right. be causing drama. 
you will be making choices that cause drama, period. If you've done your healing work, you're ready. Oh, yeah. my God. Such a mess. So, right? how are, well, so now I think about it, how, how are other people affected by a romance at work? It makes people very uncomfortable. So they've done, they've done you know, studies on this. and um, for any, any flirtation or open affection between coworkers makes everyone else feel very uncomfortable. It disrupts the work environment. And, and, I, okay. and again, you might say, it doesn't me. I don't mind that at work. Well, great. For the, the majority do, and, and, it, and it causes a very weird feeling at work. So do not do that. You might think, oh, we're in modern times, or oh, everyone's cool with it. They told me. Just don't do it. It's not professional. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep the romantic talk, the romantic gestures completely out, outside of the workplace. Um, Can yeah. you keep a relationship secret at work? Or, or is it just um, subconscious you clues should not. that... Yeah, you, you should not do actually, it. You I can't gonna, keep it secret. What's that? You don't want to do that. So, so when people feel like you've been secretive about this is this is something that's important for your manager to know, or there's okay. there's people that that you need to tell that, that to. You know, so and so and I have been talking, and um, you know, we work together on this project. We've been talking quite a bit. We have decided we'd like to start dating. We've thought a lot about it. We've talked about how it might affect our work. We've kind of hammered out potential problems. We think we think we want you to know. However, that is the right thing to do because if if you most companies have either spoken or unspoken policies about about it, sort of it's known mm-hmm. that um, to you know watch out for this. Like they might have a policy, you know, if someone asks you out once. And you say, no, they're not allowed to ask you out again. That's like sexual harassment. So there's a lot of like ways that a company and a manager can get in trouble with workplace romance. So you, you really want to be open about it at the right mm-hmm. time um, to the right people. Because if you're secretive or you lie about it, that just makes those of you look like very untrustworthy, which then definitely will affect your work, workplace relationships and right. um, projects and things like that. Yeah, I know that it'd be interesting if you had a company big enough, uh, like transfer. Now, if someone transfers to a different building, different division, you know, within the same city maybe, you know, because sometimes companies have several office buildings. Is, is being in the same building the problem or is it being in the same company? Would people know if you're in a different office, you know, down the road, part of the same company? I think it, I think it really depends on the two people and how ready okay. they are to be professional uh-huh. and mature. I think okay. you can work in the same building with your, with your partner and there's so many examples of couples that have done beautifully. Like, I mean, it's made their relationship, it's, it's probably been the foundation of their bond and the relationship, building something together, working on something together. It's a beautiful and amazing thing. And again, it depends on the two people. Can they keep right. it professional? Well, everything they, really depends um, on the two people, doesn't it, when it comes down to it? Depends on communication. Yeah, so know who you're about to date. Yeah. Again, okay. you might think right. your co- new coworker is super hot. And you're feeling very attracted. It's very unwise to um, to jump into a dating relationship. You're you're just really digging a hole for yourself with a lot of potential pitfalls, um, yeah. especially if you're young and trying to make your career. And another thing that mm-hmm. you know people might want to think about is at what point does your now your career pathway, your goals, you you know you've gotten your business coach and you you know you have this career pathway and these goals and 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 you have these timelines and. You're super excited about where you're going to end up in three years. A relationship at work can really detract from that. All of a sudden, your motivation stops becoming as much about the success at work than about the success of your relationship, and, and that's all you're thinking about. It's very right. sidetracking if they're not really um, 
really disciplined and really clear about how much energy you're going to give the relationship versus your own goals. Huh. I was just thinking sense? as we're talking, yeah, it does. It makes a lot of sense. I, I was just thinking as we're talking how people that are, uh, that are uh, maybe for, not forced to work together, but like if you have, you know, I've watched a lot of cop shows and especially if you have a male and a female cop partners, and yet they're both married to other people. They see their cop partner eight plus hours a day. They may see their spouse half an hour, you know, between the kids and work and everything else. Right. You know, that's got to be. So how about relationships that are like unintentional? You could you can be suspected of a relationship and not even have one. Uh, and you may feel closer to the person you work with eight hours a day if you're having a, a great working relationship than than your than your spouse. I, just, I don't know. I just see this work is complicated now. Yeah, it's interesting. So this is why you go. You you. <laughs> This is why you partner with somebody with strong ethical boundaries. This is why you continue to date your partner. You continue right. to do all the things that, that cause polarity to happen in your work. So if you have your boxes checked at home, this mm-hmm. is unlikely to become a problem. Um, I, okay. I even know couples who, you know, she'll, she'll come home from the grocery store and say, oh, my gosh, that new, that new you know, bag boy they hired, that college <laughs> bag boy, my goodness, he's so yeah. sexy. You know, he always helps me. He's so good looking. And, and she can say that to her man and he's, he's okay with it. He'll laugh and, and, and tease her. But because there's such a strong foundation of trust, he knows right. I mean, that there's no way they have such a great communication, such a great openness um, uh-huh. and they're best friends. So you have a great partnership at home. There will be workplace attractions. That's not like, it's not like if there is, there will be. And, and a, and a so really so, good man who values loyalty is, right. is not going to go there. He knows, he knows how much conversation, he knows what kind of conversation he can have and not have. So she starts right. talking about biking on the weekend with her friends. He's not interested in, he might say that sounds great. And he's going to get it back to work, get the conversation back to work. There's no emotional intimacy. There's no emotional connection okay. conversations with a woman mm. at work. Right. Yeah. Well, except that I think guys that work with women, uh, especially similar age, similar status, similar place in life, uh, there's almost a natural attraction just because you're working with a woman. And it it might be respect, might be admiration, but it might be you want to date them. And so, but women, I don't think feel quite as the same way, but I don't know, you know, if uh, how it's, it's, it's a, it's a kind of a gray area. I think if, I think if you're single and, and you work with, you know, people your age, um, I think it's probably pretty likely that at some point there's going to be some feelings of more than just, you know, workplace feelings. Well, look at school. You know, I remember college. You meet more people in, in like in high school and college in terms of being in social interaction, especially band. And we were all like friends. <laughs> you know, we all partied together. You know, yeah. I mean, you couldn't help. That's you couldn't help. Great and way. Getting, well, here's an interesting question, because uh, like in college, you know, we're equals. We're all students, right? There's no hierarchy per se, um, except maybe, you know, seniors and freshmen. And that's not a good idea either, because uh, that, that's probably as much of a, a thing as, as like a, a work you know, place differential. But uh, you go from school where, you know, pretty much anything goes in college these days to a work environment where there's sexual harassment. I mean, it's in college now, too, but I, I, th- I still think, well, because at least it was, I was in college in the 80s. You know, so it was different. So I, I started, uh, you know, college in 77, you know, so uh, it's easy to remember. But, uh, yeah, so I missed a lot of the stuff now of toxic masculinity and sexual harassment. But then it, it happened at work. And all of a sudden you go from a world of college. Hey, we're all great. We're all friends. We're all we're having a great time. Let's date to work. Well, you can't talk to each other. You can't do this. You can't flirt. You know, sexual harassment and all. It was a big culture shock, I think, to a lot of people. It's not really natural. I mean, it's, you know, naturally there's. 
going to be a little bit of flirtation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I was teaching sex ed. I really want to get back to that. It was so much fun. <laughs> but sex ed for kids, uh-huh. you know, it's so much about boundaries and it's not about like penis and vagina. I mean, it is, but it's so much more about boundaries and discussions and conversations and how to enter and exit intimate relationships and, you know, red flags and things like that, that I, I think it'd be really great to have workplace um, part of the, you know, orientation to have a really good um, discussion okay. on, on this, knowing it's going to come up. And I think people would yeah. really appreciate it. Or even to have available someone you can go talk to um, that can counsel you through the pros and cons of entering this workplace relationship and um, to have that as part of the workplace. I don't know if that exists because I'm not in a workplace. I don't. I never did a corporate. Yeah, thing. I, I, I have. Hospital, I have my own company. They didn't have and an I'm the boss. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm my own company. I'm the boss, and for the most part, I see a lot of people. <laughs> you know, because there's all radio, right? So I'm talking to people from all over the country. So this is. A, we should talk about this sometime. We get, we'll put your psychology hat on, because I talk to people all over the world. I talk to people all over this country. I have phone lines. You know, you're in North Carolina. Pianki's in Missouri. You know, uh, uh, Jonathan's up next to Washington, D.C. You know, I mean, we're all over the place. And and, and this is the normal course of a day. I'm talking to people all over the country. And yet, pretty much for the most part, I'm working on my own. And uh, and have my friends around here around town. But it's a a very interesting environment. So I'm not in a classic work situation. Um, Let's take on the the, the big one, sexual harassment. Let's get the legal definition and let's talk practically. Uh, if we can for a minute. Well, I don't know the legal definition. I can look it up. W- one thing that was interesting is as you were talking about this, um, knowing people around the, um, around the, you know, around the country, workplace ro- around the country, workplace romance increased during the pandemic. Isn't that interesting? Everybody work from home. Oh, access. This is great. This is a whole new topic. So people who work from home could then meet their coworkers at home. Because you know, nobody would know whether you're working at your home or somebody else's home if you're using the same login, right? I mean, I'm just curious. Oops. Yeah, so a third, a third of um, Americans that were working from home reported that they start, started or um, kept a workplace romance during the pandemic. And I think that speaks to the isolation and loneliness. Also, I think it was a wonderful coping mechanism, actually, for, for humans. Yeah. I think it's lovely. But just yeah, besides, but it makes it easier. So wait a minute. So, so if you're working, I've never thought about this too. This is great. So if you have people that were, are normally seeing each other every day at work, they, they probably miss that interaction, even if it's you know, non-sexual, non-dating, just because of friends or their coworkers. And they, just, they really enjoy working together. Okay? So all of a sudden that's gone all right? because everybody's you know, COVID panicked. So then you know, if the home environment, were people meeting more um, after work? They like working in each other's homes. It was like, hey, I got a desk. Why don't you pull up your computer sometime? Let's work on this project together here as opposed to in the office. I mean, what was yeah, going on start out there? Chatting. Well, start yeah. chatting and um, okay. you know, shared, shared bonds. You know, people really needed to talk about, people were frightened and their lives were turned upside down. So there was a need to really have conversations with others about, you know, mm-hmm. life outside of work. And I, and I feel that, that the, um, the online working and the phone conversations would, would go to that so often because it was such a big thing that was happening to us. And, mm. you know, and so that naturally leads to emotional intimacy right there because mm-hmm. you're going to talk to a colleague well, now about how it's affecting you. And security are, you, and safety. are you out jogging? Are you exercising? Are you following the quarantine? Are you, you know, no. what's going on for you guys? I mean, <laughs> there was concern. There was now this added concern and, and feeling of connection with, with others 
where it might have been just all business prior, it was, it was oh, essential that people were now talking about their personal life. Everyone needed to, you know, if you, unless you were a robot, right? <clears throat> no, so this that is really fascinating. Be, connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and just, just a little side note here at Action Radio. Anybody that listened to this show would not have been panicked. We had dismissed it all. We, we, we totally discredited the whole government policy. We had said it's a fraud. We've got cures. We've got treatments. None of this stuff makes any sense. All these lockdowns are illegal. I said, just live your life. You know, I, I'm, I, I often tell the story of uh, when uh, Governor DeSantis announced the Safer at Home program. Everybody was told to stay at home. I went driving, windows open, singing country music. Screw you, Governor. You know, so you you're more likely then. Well, then you do you also people who were taking that stance were more likely to closely identify with others that felt the same way because now that's now true. you really have something in common that's very specific. Yeah. So if you have one coworker who you never noticed before. You know, and you saw they were the Ooh. only one in the Zoom meeting not wearing a mask in the Zoom meeting. You That's might be like, okay, this person clearly has... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Stop right well, there. How would you wear a mask in a Zoom meeting? You're by yourself in, in your own place. What? They did that? You're kidding. As some companies told them to. So, what? you know, advise them to. You know, I don't know why. I mean, I remember looking at this a long time ago. They had their reasons that the companies would, you know, especially more very liberal companies, like it's more of a symbol you know, we're all in this together. And if you have oh. a colleague or two that are like, I'm not freaking doing this. Like they're just, you might actually on the side say, okay, this feels really strange. We're going to ask this. I know. And then you start this discussion. All of a sudden you realize this person um, mm-hmm. has a girlfriend that wears her, her mask working out and wears her mask, wears double masks and is frightened. And he's like, woman, we have to get through this with sanity. And, and you say, oh gosh, my boyfriend too. He's, He's using his pronouns now, and he's wearing double masking. And <laughs> like we just now, you have this bond that's very you you know special and unique. And from that, you might see how much you actually have in common on a much deeper level. Where prior to the pandemic, you know, a lot of there's a lot of um, I guess soul and personality things that might take a long time to come out that came out immediately. With, you know, we can see immediately how somebody else kind of moves through the world and what they believe and who they really are when the, when things get difficult. So that, you know, now you have something in common with someone that you might not have known before. I just wrote something down here. You're going to love this. The action radio rebel dating group. Wouldn't that be hysterical? Wouldn't that be great? Well, we got the rebels together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We'll have a theme song. He's a rebel. Yeah. Yeah. Rebel bad boys. Mm -hmm. We need to do a show on bad boys. Why, Why are women attracted to bad boys? They, they complain about their, their bad boy boyfriends, and then the nice guys are like, well, what about me? Well, you're not a bad boy. Okay, fine. <laughs> That's a whole show. Um, there is an attraction to being a rebel, though, isn't there? Especially even at work. Yeah. So uh, for someone who's a critical thinker and kind of moves outside the box, you know, it would be difficult to align with someone who is very safety mainstream oriented because that's going to come out in so many ways. You know, you're going to want to unschool and take your children around the world. And they said, no, I want to go to private school. They start, they start at age four in the best kindergartens and preschools in the town. Right. And then they go right on to the private school. And, you and they know, go to Harvard and they, they work they for the, the a, Goldman Sachs. Attention and... issues, we're going to medicate them. If they don't seem to fit Gosh. in, we don't, we don't take God. them out. We medicate them so they can be successful in life. So, so it, it's going to cross, there's, you know, as well as I do, um, a difficult situation you know, when there's a super big challenge, you know, we can come together and find our people. So during the pandemic, right. 
this was this was um, a driving force was the uniqueness and the this you know emotions around it and discussing it so yeah. Speaking um, of rebels, this is this is what I want to get all of us together at some point. I'd love to, uh, as, as I get a travel budget, but I'd love to get uh, all all the reporters like on a cruise or to Belize for a week or something like that, just to get us all the personality. Not that we're going to date each other, but just just that uh, just to be interested to see the you know the the people that are are part of the show, the independent. I mean, there's not a person here that is an incredibly intelligent and incredibly independent. That's just that and it goes from our teenage reporter all the way to our our 75 year old reporter who hasn't been with us for a while. She's busy, you know. But I mean. Every one of us, you know, male, female, old, young, uh, we're all rebels in one way or another. And it's just, it's an amazing group of people. I just love to see us all in one place sometime. Just have a curiosity. It's super fun. It's very fun. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So just to tie it up and then, because we we will definitely go off on another tangent and I love that, but just to tie (laughs) it up. So so if if you're considering an office romance or a workplace Mm -hmm. romance, you know, obviously wait until you've worked with a person for a while. Don't go by initial chemistry and feelings of attraction. That's, that's, that exists, but that, um, that is not compatibility. And you want to wait until, or a few months until you really see who the person is and then tread very lightly, very slowly. Um, if there's a mutual um, desire to date, you want to do the mature thing and not only have that there is indeed compatibility with, you know, basic values and goals and um, all the things you would do in any relationship. So that's, that's a whole, that's a different topic, but there's a lot of questions you want to find out before um, getting too serious about someone, but also in an office romance, you want to have the conversation. How do we proceed and make this really professional? What are like the rules we're going to put for ourselves and what do we do if and when we decide to end it? How do we do this very professionally and um, so we can continue to work together. So yeah. that's important. Um, yeah. Another another one is to date on your level. Do not date power above or below you in power. Somebody who's, um, if, if you can avoid it, I mean, there are those exceptions, and that requires a great deal of maturity and planning ahead and openness with, um, with the people that you need to talk to at work about it that need to know. It may be illegal. You may have to change positions, right? And so mm-hmm. you have to decide how worth it it is. But to mm-hmm. hide it is probably one of the worst things you can do, to date somebody who on a different power level than you and then hide it. Because everybody's going to find out badly. anyway. It, it was what I'm getting. They're going to find gonna... out, and it's going to erode trust. They're not going right. to. They're going to think about past interactions. You know, people will go back and start thinking, oh, this person's kind of slimy. Oh, remember that time? Yeah, I bet they... You know, they're going to start finding reasons that, that they should never have trusted you, honestly. It, it's yeah. going to really affect your reputation that makes um, sense. more than likely. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Here's a question, too. So, I, I was thinking of this as, yeah. as we're talking. Um, time limits. This is probably unrealistic, but you know me. I, I like to, you know, uh, and it would really depend on the people involved. But would the situation ever work um, where you had two people that are really attracted to each other, they're at work, they know they shouldn't have a relationship. Uh, we don't think of relationships as having an ending, but you're already talking about planning it, you know, just in case. Well, this doesn't work, what do we do? Uh, relationships, the, the, the basic rule is they go on forever until something happens. Would it be, would it be advisable, <laughs> this has got a weird question, uh, that people at work, uh, like go away for a weekend, you know, and then get out of your system and then come back and get back to work? I don't even know if that's realistic, but is there, are people ever mature enough to say, look, we really try to, we don't want to, you know, have a relationship at work. It's going to affect our work, but 
can we go like take a cruise for a week, <laughs> you know, or something like that. And then just, I mean, what do you be, think? Be right? done with it. Uh, I think no, but I, I mean, think it's fun to think about. <laughs> yeah. But that's why I asked the question. I mean, in, in the movies maybe, but yeah. not in real life. In real life, it does, yeah, because stuff always. I mean, you'd have to have two. I'm just gonna use my energy now. Two very masculine energy people to do that. Interesting. Two very masculine energy people to be able to Uh completely compartmentalize. And I don't even think that I don't even think it would work then. Um, So, first tip: date on your own level. Communicate very well about what's going to happen. Uh, if mm-hmm. it doesn't work out, and do not openly flirt or have public displays of affection. Just keep your mm-hmm. keep your workplace professional. Um, yeah. You know, think about how it might affect your work performance. It usually does. It can actually increase performance. If you're working together, it can be very magical and, and alchemize a project, and it can also have the opposite effect. Make sure your organization allows it. So um, the yeah. Me Too movement, really. And then, yeah. 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 No, I, uh, part of my question was I have some uh, experience with singles cruises and uh, uh, it's it's interesting that people have, it's almost like a separate life on board. And I did actually worked a couple of them. Uh, And the, the, what happens on, you know, it's like you hear what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas or what happens on the business trip. We should talk about business trips too. That's a whole other, uh, you know, can of worms we can open up. So on the singles cruise, it's like people had their lives back home. And I don't ask whether they had relationships or, or whatever was going on, but there were people that would regularly cruise uh, on these singles cruises and they were buds. They'd known each other for years. And it's like they had their cruise relationship and they even called it that, you know, their cruise husband or their cruise wife. And then they had their life back home. So people do lead multiple lives. Sometimes it's really fascinating. The human dynamic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this is what I, I don't was thinking see about. how okay. they do that. That's that's kind of where my question came from, because I've actually seen this, you know, in some ways in practice, it's different because you'd be working at the same company and you have to go back to the same company. But there are, I, I, there are people that I think are, in other words, or here's another one, too. And this is where people I think can get in a lot of trouble. People who travel a lot for business, you know, and or they're they're married to somebody or, you know, in a relationship with someone that maybe doesn't travel as much, especially if they were the same company. Is there the, the, the things happen on the road that don't happen at home? <laughs> they just don't. In the same town, everybody knows you. You go to a restaurant, you know, with uh, someone you're not married to. Everybody's going to know, because especially in a small town, because you know everybody knows everybody. But if you're on the road. Right. There's, there's a certain, I think the the the, the risk taking increases with the raise in anonymity. So in other words, the less known you are in the situation you're in, or if you're like let's say on a singles cruise or other singles kind of place, um, away from home. You know, I mean, how about the, 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 the famous business trip, especially if you're on a business trip with a coworker? Oh, boy. There's a, there's a well, this potential is, I mean, disaster. This is, when, this is when your boundaries and your ethical standards come into play and your uh-huh. wisdom and your ability yeah. to see uh, potential problems. So, mm-hmm. I mean, we're only human and, you know, the masculine energy. Yeah, no need, the men need, I believe men need sex. I believe it's very healing. I believe it's not a want. It's a need for a masculine man. I think it's biological. And, it's a biological um, requirement. So We're if, wired for it. Yeah, I don't think there's a... You know, you know, there's but, a, uh, I don't know if this is a fun saying. I like this saying, don't shit where you eat. I think that pretty much sums <laughs> it up, right? Well, if it could be so graphic. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so, but, uh, but that's a, that's be a great topic is because I don't think women have that same biological. They're not, you know, women aren't wired for for sex. I think with guys, it's just, uh, you know, now how you do that is, is all the difference in the world. But as a as a biology, as the way we're born, the way men are wired, I think that we are predisposed, you know, towards sex. I think it just that's just who we are. I don't think it's a bad mm-hmm. thing. It's a lot of where a lot of energy 
that. Yeah, that's really. But that's part of being masculine. But uh, on the other hand, being in a civilized society, so better society, that if you need to not, get your sexual, yeah. if you need your sexual needs met, if that's something that you're trying to do, don't do it at the workplace. Do that outside yeah. the workplace. And that's if you like a long-lasting, <laughs> wonderful relationship with somebody yeah. who has similar goals and interests, the workplace is a fabulous place to find somebody. Yeah. I mean, it's to happen an organic connection to happen um, over time. It's, I, I think it's beautiful. Um, I just think that the few, the red flags we talked about, the wisdom we talked about is, is, right. is crucial. Is crucial. Hmm. Absolutely. So and workplace marriages really can be quite successful. Fun, fun couples yeah. that, um, uh-huh. there's a lot of fun, successful couples that actually met in the, in the workplace and, um, okay. and it worked really well and they developed businesses together. I think there's a lot of, you know, Are there celebrity ones couples. You could name, you know, that, that's uh... Oh, what about, um, you know, uh, what is his name? Well, K- Kelly Rippa and Mark Consuelos. Remember them? No, I don't. Who are they? Yeah, they were on. Um, they were, they had their own talk show live with Kelly and Ryan. Uh, they worked. Let's see. I think he was. Um, okay, Lucy was, and Desi. Um, they were on a soap opera <laughs> together. Let's go, Lucy Show. Yeah. They started a production company together. They had multiple children. Um, huh. That is that is an example. Also on the office, I think there was John Krasinski. Um, he he oh he he was from the office. Remember John Krasinski, and he starred in A Quiet Place, and his wife okay. was in that. They worked together very beautifully. Mm. They have apparently have a very good relationship. Um, there's a million celebrity yeah. couples that have stayed together a long time. I know we're not a huge fan of Beyonce and Jay Z, but they they've been together a long time. Well, good for them. Allegedly, successfully, without a lot of scandal. <laughs> That's good. Um, there's wonderful stories of, of many successful small companies where they met at work and then had an idea together at work for something separate that they kind of had passions on. And they already had, like, one person will have great creative strategy, you know, oh. and the other person will be very good business at business, and they work in the same company, and they yep. discover they have the same passion, and then they launch their own brand outside of the company and end up getting married. There's a lot of those stories, and they're really kind of fun to read. Um, yeah. Well, I know a lot of couples that run companies, you know, the husband and wife, but they're the only two people generally in the company, or maybe a few other people. But uh, it would be interesting to talk about couples that, that met at work and actually started big companies. And I, I can't think of anybody offhand uh, that did that, where the husband and wife are like the equal uh, partners, like, like co-CEO kind of thing. I wonder if that would work exactly. Mm. Hmm. Uh, let's see. Well, there's a, there's a couple, um, Alia and Tim Gonta, and they were working on a television network together. And then mm-hmm. they started a business from that. And um, it was just they went on a little hotel trip and she threw on a bathrobe and she loved it. And they started to launch their own brand of robes just from taking huh. this romantic trip together while they were working together. That was really cute. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was thinking earlier, I was probably talking over you, but uh, I love Lucy, Lucy and Desi were married and had kids mm. and they just, and they just incorporated it right into the production. They went right into the show. Genius. Isn't that genius? Yeah. yeah. And that was in the fifties. <laughs> you know, so there was, it was black and white. We're talking black and white TV folks. You know, so they were revolutionary in so many ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I honestly can't think of a better place to meet someone than the workplace or school, to be honest. I mean, it's it's a very natural setting. Um, And so if you work from home, you know, volunteer work in the capacity that you love is a good idea. Mm -hmm. If you want to meet somebody who has a shared interest, you may have to step outside and you're, you know, outside the home and get some volunteer work. 
or even just take an internship, start start like a um, a college, you know, um, certificate program at the mm-hmm. university or something that adds to, to your um, <laughs> I mean, the, the gym. Is good. Yeah, yeah, I get more. I, I have more guests from my gym. I mean, I, I probably get like five guests from my gym over the last several years. You know, I mean, what are the chances, right? Because most people don't talk mm. to each other. Me, of course, I talk to everybody. I'm terrible. I do too. No, prison, I talk to everybody. Yeah. Isn't it fun? Oh, we need to do uh, um, you and Shirley. Shirley, who used to do our, our uh, gun report on Fridays. Um, uh, I got to get you two together on the same show. We got to do a coffee and bakery show, just because mm. it's like an hour. Yeah. So, so talk to Shirley. She's in our, our group chat. And uh, if you two want to configure on this, when you can actually meet at the same hour that I have an hour free, you know, or, or we'll figure something out. That might be a good, that might be a fun holiday kind of thing, whatever, or like a pre-Thanksgiving thing. You know, bakeries, coffee shops, and, uh, and well, those are great places to meet too, but that's different because that's not a work setting. But, you know, uh, I meet a lot of people at my coffee shop, and now I, I go in there. And I have a new one because I moved, but my old one I still go to about once a week and once every two weeks. Um, uh-huh. I meet, we meet the French and Latin teacher there, so she gives my kids class, and I can sit and work. And sometimes I go on my own. But, you know, I go in in the afternoon, and I probably know half the people sitting in there. And, uh, you know, one of the guys I talk to regularly, um, I knew him before his divorce. Now I've known him uh-huh. through the divorce. I've known him now uh-huh. he met. A beautiful young, um, I say young, well, he's 36, she's 29, it's fine. But uh, he met a beautiful young woman, and now they're dating. He recruits for trade schools, so I put together a, um, a meetup group so that um, teens, homeschool teens, can learn about trade schools, which I think is the way of the future. And he has said his clientele has shifted uh, the past few years from uh, mostly blue-collar parents to um, white-collar parents who see that this is a really smart career choice. But anyway, just to say, um, I know the owner of the coffee shop, you know, we're, we're connected on social media. These are people I am, I go in and, oh, hi, oh, hi. You know, I met my website um, yes, designer at the coffee shop, and now she's a friend of a friend, so we're friends yeah. outside of there. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to just be willing to talk to people and be open and be friendly and smile, and <laughs> that's how you meet people, right? Yeah, I need a webmaster again, person too, so I might, I might talk to you about that. We we lost ours to a hospital issue. I'm not going to talk about too much, but yeah. So we need someone else to continue the work on writeyourlaws.com. And I just will get back to, even though the coffee shop's great, there's a lot. Seeing someone at a coffee shop once every few weeks, you know, that's a lot harder to get to know them and to, to even accept a date. By the time you accept a date from someone at the workplace, if, if you're smart and you've waited – you have so much information already under your belt okay. that um, it's just, for me, that just feels in some ways much safer as long as you're aware of the risks and you're really smart about it, right? Anytime you can be in the environment with somebody regularly and see their true colors and um, be challenged with them, work, work on problems together, you know, the chance that if this person functions really well in the group, with the right social and the right boundaries, the right sort of a little bit of element of social skills and boundaries, professionalism. And, and you've seen this for a few months, the chance of that being a good partner, you can really estimate from what you're seeing there, a lot of what it takes to be a good marriage partner, you know, just have to kind no, of it's, hammer it's out the, chem- the chemistry and sexual compatibility. Yeah. So it's, it's possible, sexual but compatibility issue. There's a lot of tools you can do obviously with sexual compatibility issues to get on the same page. 
Yeah. That's working well. There's the Go regular relation. Yeah, there's the regular relationship issues, and you put on top of that the workplace issues. So it's complicated, but not impossible. That's what it sounds like. I feel like it has great potential if you're smart going into it. And again, all of this assumes that you've done your your own healing work, and it, you know, if, if that when you're entering a workplace romance, you are mature and um, respectful. You have self love, and and you're seeing the big picture. So, yeah. Any if romance I did a 24 year old, I'll let you know. <laughs> any romance is 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 going to have a lot of challenges yeah. and a workplace romance has its own set of challenges. But if you have done your healing work outside of the workplace and you're ready for a relationship and possibly your future husband, and I will just venture to say, I'm of the opinion that we shouldn't date anyone that we're not seeing as a potential future life partner. I mean, that right. otherwise you're wasting their time and yours and you're really expending energy in a place going to lead to um, heartbreak and um, distraction from your goals and, you know, emotional damage. So entering any relationship, you know, without the view that this person, is this person a good life partner, in my opinion, is not wise. So um, that takes time. That takes time, whether workplace, coffee shop, it takes time to know that. And I think we should have a show on the questions, uh, on what questions to ask, probably. Yeah, that's well. That's a really important topic. Uh, it remind me of uh, Dr. Laura, Laura Schlesinger, who used to be on for years and years. Mm-hmm. So I listened to it. it was fascinating, and that was one of her strongest points. Is if you're not, you know, the, the whole reason for dating is you're looking for a marriage partner. You know, you're looking for a life partner. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be marriage, but you're you're looking for a life partner, and that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of you know in, in the world of flings and weekends and one nighters and uh, short term romance and long term romance and you know, I just want to be boyfriend girlfriend. You know, but uh, really, you know, and that's a big thing. Like so in other words, so dating should not be taken lightly. It's, it's a whole different thing. And this is why, you know, being friends and going out with friends is such a, a whole different world. But yeah, that'd be a good show to do is uh, you, uh, just on that topic that you're looking for a life partner. So let's uh, let's start looking and uh, see how mm. that all fits in. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating as always. I love, John. love having you on the show. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Happy Labor thank Day. Thank you. It was fun. <laughs> Happy Labor Day. I hope you find some time to rest and celebrate a little. What, me? The workaholic? Yeah. What are you talking about? My, you know, you know what I do for fun. Well, I, do, your I, I write. Yeah, it is. I mean, I write legislation for fun. I actually enjoy the process. I love it. I love being creative. I love doing something that I don't think anybody else in the world does the way I do it. Uh, I've developed a system. I'm really. I'm kind of. I don't want to say proud of myself, but kind of in a way, because I love being the feeling that I get from me and being able to do something that you know no one else can really do. It's kind of interesting. It's an unusual place to be. And so I, so it is my play. It is, it's my, you know, it is my pioneer play. Then the fact that I play, you know, really hard, heavy metal guitar, that's another whole world. We can talk about that too, <laughs> but yeah, but uh, that's what I'm doing today. You know, guitar playing, got to change the strings, got to play lots of loud rock and roll uh, and uh, work on my bill and, um, you know, maybe hit the gym or bike ride or something like that. But this is all, I'm in a, I'm in a play world right now. I really am. It's an experimental, it's a fascinating process. Uh, I feel like, you know, 20. <laughs> it's, it's really amazing. Uh, so you want to feel young? Do something creative. We, that'd be a whole other thing to talk about, too. Chronological, chronolog- you mentioned this earlier in the show, chronological age versus physical age. That's a fascinating topic, I think. It's, it's interesting in the dating world because if you mm-hmm. keep yourself in great shape and you're on mm-hmm. dating apps, 
and you give an age range that seems reasonable, but you, Mm -hmm. you know, eat extremely healthy, you detox, you do the known anti-aging measures, and you really have a lifestyle that's super healthy. Um, If you put an age range that seems reasonable, you're going to find that a lot of people in that age range are, are physically actually a lot, physiologically a lot older than you. So that's interesting because I know that already. Emotional compatibility as well as physical. Nobody wants huh. to be a nurse to someone else, you know, in, in five yeah. years. You know, you want, you want somebody who can keep you traveling and, be, you know, be walking in functional brains. You know, um, a good friend of mine, we watched a show together recently that, about the five blue zones in the world. And I don't want to go too over because I have commitments too. And I know you do. But, right. Um, no, I don't. That was, a, that was an interesting show. And, they, and, and, and they, you know, I love to go to the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. And my dream is to have a little house there and to do retreats there. Um, mm, I'll be there. You know, healing retreat. retreats for women and men and couples. And, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for partners who want to do this and who are knowledgeable. And so I'm moving towards that. But that's one of the blue zones in the world, Sardinia, Okinawa. But what they have in common is this, you know, clean food, staying very active, staying outdoors family, happiness, connection, 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 joy, dancing, um, taking care of each other. And um, if you vibe that way, uh, you know, your pool of of compatible candidates um, is small, but, um, you know, it's interesting. So so how do you date uh, to find someone you're compatible with? They they probably could have a dating app that really is like a wellness-like if you're super into wellness and anti-aging. Well, well um, here's the weirdest thing. Okay, this is just a last comment. A friend of mine told me the other day that my hair is losing gray. It's getting browner. I am that mm-hmm. happy. Isn't that wild? How about that? Yeah, it's the second time this happened. The first time it happened what was after I was divorced. What are you uh, doing? Copper? You're divorced. not really doing anything. You're just... No, oh, I'm not okay. doing anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just happy. <laughs> I mean, ridiculously happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's no problem. It's not a normal problem. I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not saying my life is, is uh, you know, completely stress-free, but I have, my stress level is so low right now because of the things I've designed into my life that I don't have that would be stressful, um, that uh, my hair's actually changed in color. The last time I changed color was uh, after my uh, divorce. It went brown again then, too. And I got the driver's licenses to prove it. <laughs> it's really funny. But uh, you look at this last video, that guitar video I did, you know, you look at the side of my hair, it's mm-hmm. all browner. It's brown again. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, uh, this is great. So uh, second, second uh, rejuvenation. So it, it is... Physical change, this is another thing we should do. Physical changes can result from lower stress, better attitude, better food, better exercise, everything else. You actually go through physical changes. Then right now, I'm losing weight. My hair's getting brown. And I'm 63. So, so you know, my, my chronological age partner is probably 45 you know, uh-huh. in terms of uh, just, just a guess. I mean, I'm just, you know, just thinking. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Next time. Yeah, these are all great topics. I love it. Um, yeah. Thank Write you, all Greg. Down. So I'm going to go get, get the podcast, take my... notes. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing today? We always have what are you doing good today? conversations. I'm preparing yeah. for my kids to come. They were in New Jersey doing uh, okay. pasta sauce, making marinara sauce with the Italian family. And uh, they're coming back to me today. So I got to have all the food. The, I got three boys. I got to get stock this refrigerator, get this laundry oh, yeah. put away. I got to get ready. Mm-hmm. Got to brace myself. Mm. Big week. We're going to have so much yeah. fun. Yay. Sounds like a wonderful time. Okay. So if you're not here next yeah. Monday, if you're busy, let me know. But if you're here, let's, uh, let's do it again. Next Monday should be good. Okay, good. Well, I'm glad this one All was right. too. I Thanks, like doing Greg. live shows on holidays because everybody else does a repeat and we don't do that. I just, I don't, you know, not, you know, anyway, thank you, Dorothy. It worked Have out a wonderful perfectly. Time. I appreciate you. Okay. I Bye-bye. Appreciate you too. Bye now. 
So I played everything I need to play. <laughs> so we're in good shape now as far as, uh, you know, I got my announcements, advertising, all that kind of stuff. So we're back regular time tomorrow, uh, as always, uh, 7 a.m. Central Time. And so what I'll do is I'll, I'll just play our, our contact information one more time. I'll give you a chance to listen to that if you missed it the first time. Uh, this has been an incredible show, as, as uh, so many of them are on the holidays. It's just a different spirit. People are in a different mood. So I'll play your contact, play your, our classical music uh, uh, theme for Monday. And I'm back tomorrow morning, uh, 7 a.m. We've got Brianna Cannon with Government Inquiry. We've got Jesse Cossey with Latino Report. And the third hour is open. So, oh, no, we've got Jason Shepard. Jason Shepard, who's a communications expert. We're going to talk about uh, big tech censorship. So guess what, Bill, I'm going to be talking about? <laughs> the one on big tech censorship. Should be fun. All right. See you all tomorrow. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.